0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Polychromatic Podcast. I am your host, Zach.
1: And I'm the co-host, Elaine.
0: And we are now on episode
1: six of the
0: Polychromatic Podcast. I mean, God, we're making so many of these things, aren't we?
1: Well, the problem is, not problem, but the great part of it, I should say, is that we get aching and we got to do it.
0: Yeah, we were aching earlier and aching now. We were talking about it. You know, the biggest problem is what kind of... I feel like, you know, we're not unreal when we do this podcast, but sometimes you and I will have separate conversations where we're like, damn, we should have just been recording this damn thing. Why are we not recording? So, you know, we almost need to, in the future, we haven't done this yet, literally put the brake on, come into the kitchen, and yes, we do it in our kitchen. Maybe someday it'll be in our basement, but right now it's in our kitchen, so we're sorry if there's a little bit of an echo. Just so you understand, this is not a fully treated room, and we're just using some Uh, Noise gates to try to um, make up for this, but uh, it's currently the limitations of my leg. You know, I can't really get up and down the stairs very easy.
1: So, are you saying we're semi pro instead of pro?
0: No, I'm just saying that um, there are certain levels that a person will go to to ensure the highest quality for the podcast. And that's one thing that we haven't done yet, even though we do actually have the fancy New Haven moving blankets that are actually used in the industry for soundproofing.
1: Which I purchased when I moved back from California to Colorado about, what, 14 months ago now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, some ways felt like forever, in other ways it's not been that long. (laughs)
1: Lots happened. I think that's why it seems forever. There's a lot of events, but uh, in times, according to times, not long at all, for sure.
0: All right, so why don't we do something a little bit different to start? And I didn't even talk to you ahead of time, so I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Ugh. So the question is, what music are you listening to? And you may not. Okay, that's fair. And if not, what movies have you been watching? Oh or, shows. Or, 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 or shows that you like to watch, you I'm, know, like season stuff.
1: Okay. For me, I'm a movie buff. I love all different kinds of movies. I like romantic ones. I like thrillers. I like drama, I like sad movies, um, just about any genre of movies, music, I still love my rock and roll from the 70s, uh, so I would say to you that I'm pretty much a rock and roll kind of movie girl.
0: Well, I get that. I, I think both you and I have uh, have owned one, both won and owned the past of being considered were somewhat Movie aficionados. Now, that's not to say that we're critics, okay? Like, like, say Roger Ebert was a critic, okay? And the amount of movies he watched, but we've watched our fair share of movies. I mean, let's look at the Hulu. This is a Hulu subscription I have with HBO Max. I was trying to think of as a go. HBO Max. We're running out of titles to watch.
1: Oh, we love it. I mean, that was really <laughs> one of the best best movie channels there is is Hulu. Um, but you're absolutely right. We in the beginning we were going, Oh my gosh, look at all these movies. And we're going, uh, ah, we've got watch this one, we watch this one, we watch this one, because we do watch a lot of movies together and we do watch them separately. But uh the thing that I really love is if we if one of us sees a movie that we think the other one will really enjoy. We go, hey, you got to watch this. And we, I think our taste in, in movies is pretty parallel, don't you?
0: I think so. Um, and it's funny because we share accounts, which actually worked in our favor because I'm not sure if you've heard, but Netflix is going to actually charge money for separate accounts for separate people that have separate interests. So in other words, even though we share the same Netflix account, we're in the same house. If, say, I had my own profile, that's Zach versus Elaine, they mm-hmm. They're going to start charging for different profiles now. So it's been in our advantage, but I've noticed that we've had similar enough interest that it's for the most part it it there's a maybe not every single movie, but a lot, a oh, lot of overlap.
1: That's totally true. And it's kind of funny because I remember when I first started purchasing Netflix, I think it was 9.99 a month.
0: It was like back in 2008 or 2000 yeah. or, or no, sorry, maybe maybe 2010 or 2011 actually.
1: Yeah. And uh, now, what is it? Fifteen ninety nine? or oh, something it's, like it's that? Oh, it's getting
0: even more expensive. Um, it's criminal. And you know, it's funny, they're, they're saying to all their stakeholders, and oh, you know, the reason why we lost 300,000 subscribers is X, Y, and Z. Not actually looking at the reason why. I mean, they actually turned off all of Netflix to Russia. And so they lost a bunch of subscribers that way, but then they're going to blame it on, you know, other factors. Oh, people are sharing accounts. And what's funny is back in the day, they actually encourage people share accounts. They used to not have a limit on it. As a matter of fact, at one point, when I was uh, in living um, in Boulder near the university, all my roommates Nick and Garrick were also on the accounts.
1: I do remember because I think there was a limit of five people. Well, no,
0: it, what happened is yes, down the road it was. At that time, it wasn't though.
1: Oh, it was on, Okay, you're talking about it a was a couple beginning. years later. Yeah, I do remember that. There were times when I lived in California and I think the limit was five. And I'd call Zach like at eleven o'clock at night and say, Hey, I wanna watch my T V and he'd say, Okay, I'll tell I'll tell so and so to get off the off yep. of their TV. There were, I think there was like
0: three or four people they allowed.
1: Yeah. So anyway. That's kind of funny because I'd be going, I'd I'd be going, oh, no, this is frustrating. You know, like I can't walk in the other room and say, hey, turn off your TV. I had to call him on the phone. It's kind of funny. I think that was really funny. But um, then, you know, I mean, once I think a couple of times I said something and then you were more aware that that many people were using it. But, you know, I understand. I think these are it's great that you can just tune in on a movie.
0: It really you know, does satisfy your immediate gratification needs.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I've got to say though is Amazon Prime, another story. They have few movies anymore, I've noticed anyway, that I'm even interested in to watch. Yeah. And if you, a lot of them, you have to pay additional for, even if they're older movies. Yeah. And it's
0: all mixed in. So you almost accidentally pay for shit. Yeah.
1: And then the other part is free with ads. Like, oh my gosh. The commercials, like commercials were in, when I was growing up, that was just part of watching TV, right? But I'm kind of spoiled. I don't really want to be watching all these stupid commercials when I'm in the midst of a movie and it stops. I'm going, oh my gosh, they stopped that at the wrong time.
0: You know what's funny? Is they know people get up for commercials. You want to know why? Have you noticed how commercials are so fucking loud? (laughs) Yes. They're yeah. like, like they're like almost like eighty decibels. It's almost like a mower is right next to your ear, and even though the TV's across the room, it's like all of a sudden the movie's so fucking quiet, and then the commercials, and it's like it's an Olay commercial or something. Like ah,
1: yep, because you know what? They still want you to hear it when you use the restroom,
0: or when you're cooking, or when you're when in the you're, kitchen.
1: Exactly. Okay, I'm going to make some popcorn, but they, you'll still hear the commercial. But what's funny
0: is back. I want to say in my lifetime I saw it. I think in the early nineties they didn't do it, but then like in the mid to late nineties, they started doing that. It's crazy. So, anyways, we kind of derailed, but to go back to it, I can name one that we both watched that we liked. That was that um was it called The Good Doctor?
1: Oh my gosh. The good doctor. And, and the then we sequels. also need and
0: then we also need to talk and and we're actually gonna get in the episode, but let's just spend just a little bit of time now. Um so there was a good doctor, but then there was also what was the dot my doctor's a stalker? Or my
1: doctor's a stock. Is yeah, the actually- good doctor was not part of the sequel, was it? That was a separate movie. We're talking about that one was um, yeah, that was different. I was I, I just thought of that. But the one you're talking about, yes, the stalking doctor. And then there were like five episodes. What's the actor's name?
0: Okay. It's called Stalked by My Doctor. Stalked by My Doctor. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's a lifetime. And basically, it's about this sick fucking guy, okay, and he is a heart surgeon at like a renowned hospital. And because he saves this girl's life, as almost every movie he does at the beginning, he wants to have sexual relations with this girl. And most of them are like, what do you think, 16, 14, not my 14, maybe 16, 17, 18, 19?
1: yeah or early 20s early
0: 20s. and he is probably like 60s or 70s.
1: Oh my God, yes. and he loves it because he gets attention from them because he's this doctor and and every time he has saved their life. and each episode is actually about a different girl, right?
0: Yes, and but there's one one uh, movie where there's an overlap between the girls like the, the arc with the girl Oh yeah overlaps because right. that one girl comes back to like besmirch his name and, and to expose him for That's the, because, right. because he actually, well, we don't give it away, but he actually does eventually go to court and, and he gets, gets let off and he's a real sicko. The it's played by Eric Roberts is the actor's name. Um, and he's a Academy award winning nominee for his role on runaway train, a three time golden globe nominee for runaway train star 80 and King of gypsies. This is according to IMDB, but anyways, um, if you want to have fun with that, I will say the first movie, I I really enjoyed it. But then once we got to the second and third, once we got to the fifth one, it was like, it was starting to get dark and sick, yes. like especially sick. Like this guy, like, and you'll see after the third one, because he goes to a mental hospital <laughs> yes. um, where he's getting shock treatments and stuff. So anyways, that's one movie that comes to mind that, but if we want to talk about The Good Doctor.
1: I just wanted to say one more thing about yeah, that. Yeah. He plays such a good character in that. Oh, he does. And he maintains that character. And that's the thing that is that is the most entertaining to me throughout all those movies is the character that he is is just like, you want to see how far he'll go. And it's, he does. And he does. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say he does a tremendous job with it. I, I think he did a great job. I think he
0: job. had fun playing that part. Oh,
1: totally. It's You could see that it was like, hey, this I've got this one, this character down.
0: And you can tell... And I don't think he actually does have dentures, but he like kind of talks and does things like almost like he has dentures in his mouth. It's really weird.
1: Are you saying they need its polygrip or what? Yeah, you've got some (laughs) polygrip down in the mouth.
0: Um, So, uh, and then the good doctor. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So what you, what my mom did is she pulled up randomly on all places, Amazon, which is a shit show. I honestly hardly go on Amazon Prime, but my mom does. And she does go sift through the ones that you have to pay for and the ones you don't have to pay for. And I realize there's a free section, but it's still, it's still you know, cross promotional for paid versus unpaid. Very ones. limited is what you're saying. Yeah, very limited, very sparse. But here she pulls up this movie. It looks a little bit older. I think it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, The Good Doctor, but it is about a doctor that does what?
1: A doctor that wants to become the best doctor he can possibly be.
0: And goes so far to ah. even, not break into, but to, under false pretense, go into the girl's bathroom and replace her pills with sugar inside it rather than the medication. So her uh, kidney infection does not get cured and it goes so far, spoiler alert, for the next five, 10 seconds, it goes so far that she actually dies.
1: Well, the thing is, is that in, in the beginning, you're thinking that it's all about ethics, right? Yes. This guy is practicing his ethics. And then you see where his mind is going, and it becomes so delusional and sick and we're going. We're trying to guess what's going to happen next. That's one of the reasons why I think Zach, enjoy movie, and, I enjoy, Zach and I enjoy movies so much together is because we're p-dicked. We always go, oh, this is going to happen. And then when it does, we give each other a high five. So it's really fun because sometimes one of us will say, I think it's going here. And the other one will say, I think it's going here. And I just have a lot of fun with that.
0: Yeah. Um, and I would say for me... I mean, it's so hard. I listen to so much music. Um, my interests are pretty eclectic. I just don't listen to rap or country for the most part as a general rule. Um, but I listen to a lot of, well, not a lot of older rock, but I like older classic rock. Um, I do like a lot of electronic music and that sort of thing. Um, not so much techno, but but more like um, EDM, maybe some electronic body music, but really more um, like newer stuff. Um, uh, I'm not going to mention very much now because I think I, I would have to go into a whole another episode first to talk specifically about music, but because um, that's not the topic of this episode. We'll be getting to the topic here in just a little bit. Um, this is just kind of warm us up to talking about things because it, it these movies and these things do relate to the topic later on. And I thought uh, I kind of throw my mom a curveball here, anyways. I think it's kind of a good idea to warm up. Um, but for me personally. Something I really liked was, um, and I've already told you about it, and I'm going to mention it here, and it needs it needs a highlight. Why does it need a highlight? Because I honestly think it is a show that's falling completely off the radar. And it's also something I posted uh, um, on our website, is uh, Nirvana the Band, the show, was something that played on Viceland from 2016 to 2017, and it's been off the air since. They recorded a season three uh, that was supposed to be released, but in 2017, Viceland Canada went under. And so it gets, starts to get complicated because the show really challenges, the, um, really challenges copyright law as far as what you define as free use. And it gets away with murder, both with its free use and with some of its themes. It pushes the limits. Like in the first episode, they put up a banner where there's like a penis showing out in public. And it's to be funny... So, but but the thing is, is it seems staged, but it's not like um, it's not like Jackass or like one of those shows that where they're doing it to shock people, and it's a it's a prank show. Like they're actually going out and they're doing it, and they're not telling anyone that it's a prank.
1: But I think to me, it seems like a shock factor show.
0: It is. It is kind of a shock factor show in its own sense. But what it does is it takes the characters that are both Matt Johnson and Jay Carroll, and they're basically who they normally are in real life, which are best friends, but that then um, hyperbolizes, makes extreme in certain instances. And so what it is, is it kind of blurs the line between fiction and nonfiction in a way that I think is very clever. And like with Fair Use, they're actually using music from Jurassic Park and they're using music from all of these popular culture stuff. And that's why I love it about it so much. And turns out Matt Johnston's exact same age as me. Um, he's, you know, mid 80s baby as well. And so, you know, there's video game references. There's a, a lot of 90s culture a lot of that kind of stuff. And I find it very comforting. And I used to screw around with my friends in a similar way. And we used to make movies and stuff with a camcorder. So I really appreciate what he does. So the last thing I just wanted to throw out there real quick is, believe it or not, I didn't tell you about this. His third movie debut, both as a director and a screenwriter. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes right now, the movie Blackberry, it's about a story about Blackberry, the, the phone company.
1: Oh, really? It's coming
0: to theaters Rotten Tomatoes gives it 100%.
1: Wow. You know what I liked about watching? You're the one who told me about it, so I watched a few episodes with you, is it seems so unscripted. It's like two guys out just having a good time. Yeah. And
0: and you know what? It speaks to my culture and the way that I grew up. You know what I mean?
1: I like that because it's like, really, these guys, it's like they're being themselves, they're best friends.
0: They get themselves into trouble and all the time. They kind. get
1: themselves into trouble, but they're not out there to hurt exactly. anyone. Exactly. They're
0: childlike. It's like their childlike qu- ens- essences come yeah. out, especially Matt. Matt is like always wanting to sneak around to do things. And Jake sometimes gets pissed off. He's like, just want to sneak, just want to sneak around, just going to sneak around, you know? And he really gets kind of pissed off on some of the episodes. And I think some of it's real because it turns out Matt Johnson actually snuck his movie into the film festival. He wasn't even in. The uh, Sundance Film Festival, he snuck his t- over the movie Sheep, and they actually showed it, and, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. So there's some crazy stuff, and what's weird is the show blurs the line because they actually do an episode on that in their actual real show, but instead of it being actually Operation Avalanche, he they, they snuck into the show, which was the one for um, uh, them sneaking into NASA. To do this fake movie, and they say they're film students and stuff. Instead, what it was was uh, they said Project Avalanche was his Dirties movies, and the Dirties movies was a movie about kind of like Columbine, where he was he and some other dude were these people that were like, um, what were the people that did Columbine? I'm trying to remember D- Dylan Klebold and so it's it's kind of a story. Eric. Someone. Eric Harrison, Cla
1: uh, Klebold
0: and Darren, uh, yeah, D- Dylan Klebold. Um, basically it, it's a movie about that. Mm-hmm. And what is weird is, um, at first, if you hear about it, you're like, man, that's a really gross movie. I'm not sure if I want to watch that, but really what it does is it really kind of, um, is done in such a way that makes you kind of understand, not empathize, but you kind of understand why, um, people that got bullied the way they got bullied would, go back to school with guns and stuff. It's crazy. He's always challenged the lines with things. So anyways, I was just done with that, but um, it's actually kind of a perfect segue. Um, We don't have to segue right away, but uh, the topic for today is nostalgia. It's about what um, we remember with growing up and um, how things have changed in the world. And so if we're ready to transition, we can start talking about that. I don't want to cut you off if you have anything else you want to say as far as popular media, uh, movies, or music that you want to mention.
1: No, actually, my era was one of the best eras to grow up in, and the '70s. And I'm excited to talk about it because there was a lot of things in the '70s that really stood out to me. But one of the, I think, the most, um, the thing to stand out the most was the fact of the great music. It was the great <laughs> music era, the never, never ending. Uh, music that a lot of people still enjoy today and some really major bands. And it was also a time of real big change. Of It was the ending of the Vietnam War and love and peace. And it's it was really, I think, just a really cool time to grow up because there was so much about that connection that I talk about with That's so important to me. And I think that's just me. That's maybe just my air of why I am who I am and the rawness of that, because it's, I love the idea of the peace and love and the concerts. Going to concerts was really big in the 70s. And there were so many great bands out there. And it's really refreshing to me to know that very, even very young people will be able to identify some of the bands that were very popular during that time, and and so I'm just saying, this is the to me the greatest era of music. Now, does that mean that I don't go into liking other things? I do. Zach's taste in music is amazing. He's introduced me to a lot of really great bands. I like that, and even some of his uh, music that he listens to, I love listening to too. And so, I think that we kind of have a blend, maybe some of, maybe not favorites, so to speak, that maybe my favorites aren't your favorites, but I will say that our taste in music is similar enough to the point that I'm not offended by yours and you're not offended by mine.
0: Yeah. Um, gosh, what I was going, what was I going to say about that? Um, shoot. I hate when my mind goes to a blank. Um,
1: That's what happens when it's unscripted. Give yourself a, you've got a notepad, just write down your yeah, idea. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I should have written it down. But, Those best um, ideas
1: come and go so quickly, and you're trying to go, oh, but it oh, was so I, Oh, I, I remember what I was okay. going to say.
0: I remember. You know, and I don't mean this meme, but I'm kind of jealous that I didn't have a chance to grow up in the generation you grew up in, because it was a more innocent time. It was before the internet. You know, you talk about peace and love, and not to get weird with you here, but it was also open as far as drug culture. Like, there was a lot of experimentation, there was a lot of free love, a lot of peace Mm -hmm. and love. You know, this was also happening during the Vietnam War, when, you know, um, people were really against it, and really putting out there this whole peace and love kind of vibe. And, you know, um, uh, what's it called when... um, uh, Not affirmative action. Uh, What is it called when um, a person stands there and... Protests. Yeah, but it was kind of like protests, but, but it's where you do it without violence. You know what I'm talking about? God, what the heck is it called?
1: Well, I just know that there was peaceful protests because it was all about peace. So it was like focused on the fact that this is about peace and love, but we don't like this Vietnam War going on and all these people. And if we look back in history the Vietnam War accomplished nothing. And it's a very, very sad part of our history, I think, to look back at that, to realize that war in itself, I mean, I'm not going to go on to that topic, but to realize how many people died during the Vietnam War, and what was accomplished was zero. So... Anyway, um, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I'm just, I can only think about like peaceful protests, but maybe... It's
0: not civil disobedience, but what it is is... Civil uh, rights? No, there's another word for it, and I'm trying to remember what it is. But it's basically, um, you know, nonviolent resistance. What, what it is, is it's where you resist, but you don't use violence. Gandhi used it too. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, nonviolent. Um, protest. Is it civil disobedience? Maybe it is civil disobedience. Uh, maybe that is the word.
1: I think it's right, because it's yeah. like looking at...
0: Yeah, I think it's civil disobedience. Freedom. It's just, it's freedom where you don't to use, express. Yeah, it's where you don't use violence, but you do protest.
1: Right. So we're talking about the same thing, yeah. the protest, but they were peaceful. They were peaceful. They were never to harm anyone. Yeah,
0: nonviolent, non-violent uh, resistance, basically. And I'm trying to remember... Um, It's called peaceful resistance too, but um, I thought that had a different name and that's okay. It doesn't really matter. You get the, you get the point, you know, I could spend Mm -hmm. here, spend a minute here trying to find the exact right word, um, but that's okay.
1: Well, I think what you just said um, is also the point I was trying to make earlier that it was a real big turning point in history with the music. And yes, it was the drug, drug culture and just a lot of things happened in the seventies. And, you know, I mean, I know that it wasn't all beautiful and it wasn't all like the greatest from every aspect, but I do believe that it was a time when many people's minds were opened up. It was such, I, I think that people acknowledged a lot of what was going on in the world then. And some of the greatest music was written at that time. You know, some of like, I was talking about the artists of the time. Um, and I actually made a list that maybe I'll go over a little bit later on. And, you know, as we say, this is very much non-scripted, but I did go online to get, I couldn't remember all these names because there's so many uh, band names is what I'm talking about. So I did go online to jot down some of those because, um, oh man, I just think it's, I love the fact that that music never dies.
0: Yeah. You know what? There was so much wonderful, um, what's the word i'm looking for so much wonderful mind bending music that came out around that time you know i'd say the early to mid 60s into the late 70s mm-hmm. and i'm talking about making a guitar like cry yes do you know what i mean just just these these um these guitar riffs that just are so memorable and not to get too much into it but for me I love those, that kind of music of that generation. I really do, because of how artistic it was. And you know what they did? They didn't use digital. They used a bunch of analog things and distortion, and they stacked all of them up to produce these really unique sounds. Um, And then you get to the 80s, you know, which is my start of my generation. And I love the 80s. I love 80s music. I love, if anything... The reason why I love 80s music, I think, is because I love electronic music. Mm-hmm. And 80s music was the beginning of that because they had... Um, uh, what was the main keyboard of the 80s? Let's see. It wasn't, wasn't it uh, keyboard, 80s synth? I just want to see the popular ones. Um, here we go. Drum machines of the 80s. Was it a Korg? I think it was a Korg. I'm trying to remember. Um, but anyways, yeah, they've got a, Ra- a Roland... Um, synthesizer. Let's see. Hold on. Roland again. Yamaha. Maybe it's Yamaha, but um, just some really crazy stuff. Music that's being made using digital signals rather than analog signals. Um, and um, I love the synth. I, I I think my favorite instrument, if I'm honest, would be the keyboard, which is a, which you know in the '80s was a synth. Um, even though I did also play guitar, because growing up, I, put, I played keyboard and then later played guitar. I think guitar is way more difficult than keyboard. You can do a lot of amazing stuff on the keyboard. And I think as far as learning music, if you want to take a song that you've heard and try to decompose it, you're most likely to be able to do it on a on a, on a a piano, the easiest.
1: Well, you know, when you talk about keyboard, yeah, I follow you. Uh, but I was going to say, you talk about the keyboard. I remember it was more like organ type in the 70s. And like you're talking about that lead guitar mm-hmm. with that organ. And then, of course, yeah. the drum and, I, you know, bass guitar. I mean, they're all important. But some of the best drummers of all time are from the 70s. And so, you know, it's just I, I, love, I love that era. There just was a lot of things that happened. And it's, it's kind of fun to think back about how different it is. Uh, in many ways, even though that we there were still troubled times, and again talking about how the I just remember the world seemed out of control with the war happening and people being drafted, and um, it was scary. It was scary. I remember in high school, for some of the um, older boys that were like getting you know that were seniors, like, "Am I going to be drafted?" Because you were drafted. If your number was picked, man, you went to war. And that, that will forever stay with me because it was so impactful of the guys talking about, hey, do you have a draft number? Like, what's your draft number, you know?
0: You know, to me, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a guy. Um, the thought of being drafted scared me a lot. And the reason why I had to be uh, drafted by today's standards is in order to receive student loans, you have to sign up to be drafted. It's a requirement.
1: I never knew that till right yes. this moment. Really? And
0: yeah. And of course I wouldn't have been in the front lines because my, I've had issues with my leg mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. but before that happened, I realized there was a possibility of that happening before I knew that I had issues with my legs all the way back to you know, mid, mid two thousands. But yeah, you know, I thought, To be forced, here's the thing, okay? I'm just being honest about this. And I think if we're all honest for a moment to take a step away from any of our patriotism or any of our preconceived notions, I don't necessarily have an issue going to war to protect our country and put my life on the line, even if I lost my life. If we're not fighting a proxy war, if we're not fighting... You know, pardon my French, but my dick is bigger than yours, kind of things. You know, it's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's like the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Why the hell were you even there? Okay. And so people are putting their lives on the line for something that's not even important. And the reason why I say it's not important, people can argue, I'm sure there's some people that will probably listen to this podcast that I'll be really pissing off by saying that. But I think it's pretty, and I I don't know for sure, but my understanding is the Vietnam War was a complete waste of time.
1: Well, and not to just mention the people that died while they were in action, but Agent Orange. What's that? It it was a chemical that was used, and that killed a lot of people afterwards, years later. And so just very, very sad, and it really does hurt my heart in many ways um, because that was really big, and... Like you were saying, Zach, to be like if you're fighting for your country and there's going to be something to be gained, um, I I think that that's different than than just sending people and just it's like a massacre to me. And um, you know, again, you know, I believe that it's not like you know, I I don't believe in our country. Um, although the past several years has been kind of difficult, but Overall, you know, America is a great place to live. I mean, I live here. I'm going to continue living here. And there's a lot of beauty in living in America. But when it comes to young men and women losing their life over, if there's not a a reason or their payoff for it, I guess their payoff uh, that... If there's nothing to be gained is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, then. it's like there's sac- it's a
0: useless sacrifice. It's yes, a waste.
1: exactly. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, um, yeah, you know, you've got your generation that you grew up in, certain things, certain nostalgia. You know, what's interesting is now that I'm in my 30s, I've seen that I'm definitely in my prime. And the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, we're basically at a time now where... Um, you're seeing a lot of sequels, a lot of stuff that was from my childhood that's now coming out. And, um, you know why? Because it's real simple. It comes down to this. Nostalgia sells.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know, if you think of a childhood memory, and we all have childhood memories, and that's the reason why, you know, popular media, you know, comes into the picture, um, You know, for your generation, I would think Star Wars was huge. It was so huge, right? Um, And for my generation, we had certain things growing up like Beanie Babies, Pokemon, um, you know, Nintendo games, um, you know, that just become part of our childhood. And so then all of a sudden out of the blue, you see something, you know, most recently uh, the new Metroid game uh metroid oh, yeah. prime remastered's coming out i didn't by the way i didn't play metroid uh, prime the original when it came out in 2001 2002 2003 or whatever um because that was a console generation i skipped i did not get a gamecube but i played it years later and i'm like this is a masterpiece just so to think they had remastered something like that and by the way i just want to mention real quick what were the two video games first video games i got It was the original Metroid for the NES. And the second one was Mega Man 2, I believe. Yes. And both of them, I told you this the other day, what's really weird, and I never thought about this before, both those games involve, like, heroes that both have a right arm cannon. Actually, I'm not sure. Maybe Mega Man has a left arm cannon, but they both have an arm cannon. It's crazy, and it's very strange. I, I never made that connection until I thought about it the other day, and I was thinking that's really weird. One is a heroine, one is a, one is a female, you know, lead, and the other one is a, as a if you want to call him a male lead, he's more like a boy than he is a man. But, well, I, in the original cover art for the original Mega Man, he was a man, but but he went cutie. He went cute and small, and the other ones.
1: Well, tell you what, you know, there was an involvement with video games because, I mean, compared to what they were in the seventies, to today, is black and white. That's all I can say. It's it's like amazing. And Zach was showing me this new one that just came out that he's talking about, and it's really cool. I mean, there's it's it's really fun to look at how basic. They used to be, and I don't know what you call it for sure, because I'm not a video game player, but I would mm-hmm. say that the animation, I'll call it the animation, is just so much more realistic and detailed, and, and I can see why people are really pulled into it uh, because of that.
0: Yeah, you know, I said it before in another episode, gaming for me growing up... um. Certain games that I played will take me back to certain things. Like, if I'm honest, if I think of the Mega Man series, specifically not the early games, but if I think of like Mega Man 10, Mega Man 11, and Mega Man 12. So Mega Man X, Mega Man X2, and Mega Man X3. Original, Original Mega Man X, I remember you took me to an antique shop. And I spent the day on a Saturday in an antique shop, and afterwards we went and picked up my game, and that's where the original Mega Man X. So that's what I think about. It. For some reason, I think of them antique shop.
1: So it's sort of like music, yeah. Because it takes same you places. things, with I'll hear a song, and I'll go back to exactly a memory from that song, and that music to me is is soul building. It's it's connection. It's it's. it it sort of just embraces one's life um, in a way that nothing else does. And it, it, I think is beautiful because um, some of the lyrics from the seventies and some of the songs were just, you know, they, they spoke about so much about what we were talking about earlier about love and peace. And, um, also, I think that um, some of the some of the best writers of music for that time uh, where I guess I just repeating myself, but it's just a very poetic um, time for for music. And so, yeah, I think uh, when you talk about the video game thing, I go to the music with that because uh-huh. it's it's still that way. It's it's not just in the 70s. It's been throughout my whole life. You know, you'll hear a song and it'll just take you back to a time in your life. And I think it's really interesting that I wouldn't have remembered that day at the antique shop with Mega Man, uh, but that was huge to you.
0: Yeah, it was. And another game that really came came to mind is um, the original Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, that's right. I remember that game. Um, I saw it at uh, King Super's Bend back when they used to have a video oh, department. Donkey Kong, yeah. And It was really what drew me to it was the um, art of all of the um, palm trees. Ah. They had these really lush green palm trees. They were all rendered in 3D. And as far as the game is concerned, that game cheated. It was able to do 3D on an SNES. It really wasn't 3D. What they did is they made the character models, rendered them in 3D, and then took a picture of them. So then they were sprites on the screen when they moved around and it was amazing for its time. And it, I want to tell you that game was so enraging. I went back and played it as an adult. And I thought, cause I thought I was just a stupid, you know, uh, ungifted gamer. Oh my God, that's a hard game. Is it? <laughs> yeah. You actually built up calluses on your thumbs because you're playing the levels. Some of the levels that you play are so difficult that you. Have that's developed. interesting
1: from that time frame. Yeah. Compared to even now, you know, another one I remember that you played. What's that? I think it was called duck hunt.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, way, way back in the day.
1: Yeah, that was one of the early ones, right? From the first Nintendo or second? Yeah,
0: it was the first Nintendo. Yeah. Duck Hunt um, had the... Um,
1: had the little gun. Had the gun. Yeah. yeah,
0: the gun that you could shoot at the screen. And what was crazy, if I'm recalling correctly, I don't know if there was a separate sensor or not. I don't think it was. What happened is you would hook up to the back video cable, like the coax cable. You would um, hook something up to it. And what was so bizarre about it is after you hooked something up to it, it would, um, it would somehow, so when you shot the laser at it, it would cause a disruption in the screen or something because then when it would go out the coax cable, there'd be a little splitter that would go into the Nintendo or something like that. So it could actually register where you were pointing. It's very strange. It, like, it, was, it was ahead of its time how they were able to achieve that, Yeah, if I'm recalling correctly.
1: Well, if I could just talk a little bit about the nostalgia I came yeah, up with yeah, in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, yeah, Please do. First off, you know, I was talking about the great old rock and roll. Well, then there was the disco and the punk that came out. And, of course, I had to learn disco because a Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta. That was such a big movie of the time as we're connecting things together. Another thing that I really remember from the 70s was, clothing-wise, um, bell-bottoms. And we used to wear short shorts with tube socks, tube socks that went all the way up to your knees with with uh, the short shorts. Um, and it's cool because you bell-bottoms are coming back in today and um, definitely different than, a little bit different than they were then. I'm thinking of the color scheme of the 70s was gold and... And um, green and orange, those were the three big colors from the 70s. People decorated their homes in those colors. That was just the color code of the 70s. Um, I was thinking another thing about the 70s was, and you, you don't see this today, my gosh, hitchhiking. Everyone hitchhiked all over the place. It was like you just, you know, stuck your thumb out people pull over and give you a ride. It's it's just kind of mind it's like mind-boggling to think um comparatively by today's standards because you know, by today's standards you, a lot of people will not even stop to help someone who needs help because they don't know if it's and I'm not saying that didn't happen at all in the 70s. I'm just saying
0: People were, generally speaking, more trust trusting. Yes. And it was a more innocent time, I feel like. Like, you were able to just, like, go to the store. That's not to say there weren't serial killers out there. or oh, yeah. Or, or people doing bad Jed stuff. Ted
1: Bundy was during the 70s.
0: Yeah. But generally speaking, I feel like when it came to dating, like, for instance, dating today. Literally, if you don't have a social media profile, good luck, because girls don't. It, I know it sounds really weird, but it's and you'll be like, no, Zach, you're crazy. No, I'm telling you. And it's because so much of the dating's moved to online that people just go for that.
1: I know that's still, I'm still trying to soak that one in because we talked about that in a prior podcast. I see you shake
0: your, shaking your head when I say it. and But, it, but isn't it, just, it ridiculous?
1: Well, it seems so unnatural to yeah. me, you know? It's and very artificial. Yeah, a couple other things I just wanted to bring up. And then, you know, we I can give you some time. Oh, no,
0: I'm sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. Oh, I just wanted to add. I didn't feel that way. Okay. I think we're just
1: cool. communicating like we usually do to yep. each other. But it's crazy, you know, we didn't have like the, the um, TV reception that was really that good. And we had TV antennas, um, which we would have to adjust because reception would get really grainy and blurry. And so we would be having to, to uh, adjust these TV antennas. And the other one I thought of that was really big was I loved typing. I love typing. I don't know what it was. To this day, I still like to type, but it was much harder back then because if you made a mistake, you had to use whiteout. And then they got to the point where like, you know, you would whiteout, we still have whiteout, but then it got to the point that they actually, you could insert behind where the key was, um, going to come up like on the paper where you were going to type, you could backspace it so that it would have, you'd have this paper that had whiteout on it it was a really big deal. So you didn't have to paint it on anymore. You could just back up and then you had that white paper you'd stick in between where the letter was and the paper and it would automatically white it out. And I thought, boy, whoever invented this was smart. Um, So yeah, it's just like, those are two things that really stand out. And I remember my teacher was, my typing teacher would take chalk across the blackboard and he would say, Miss Lane, what's wrong?" and just make me cringe. You know how sometimes you hear those sounds, and he would do that on purpose. And I think part of the reason why I like typing classes because he was fun. He was a comical guy, and he was always he was always having fun in the classroom with all the students. So there's a lot of really fun interaction. And um, I also thought it was really cool that you could just type something and not have to handwrite it anymore. You know, so it's it's interesting to see how far we've come from that time. Well, now we just backspace. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, it's gone. We just backspace. We move forward, right? So there's the point being is that uh, with computers, boy, if that hasn't freed up the ability to just backspace and move forward so much quicker. So obviously doing papers and things like that are so much faster by today's standards.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and my generation... um. We still did use some whiteout and stuff, Um, but I feel like even in elementary school, um, while we didn't have laptops to type up reports, there were these things, I think they were called alpha smarts. And what they were is they were basically this, um, they had very basic screens. They just had like little uh, liquid crystal display screens that were, you know, um, about the size of a keyboard width mm-hmm. um, and about you know an inch or two high, just for a, enough for a couple lines, and they um, I believe they operated off battery if not, you could plug them in, and what you do is you type out your entire report okay, and then if there was some process, either would automatically save it save it, but then you go in to school, you would um, plug them in using the serial port on the um, their their Macintosh. I don't know, I think they might have been G3 all-in-ones. I'm not 100% sure. I think they were G3 all-in-ones, but neither here nor there. And um, what you would do is you would plug in the serial port when you had the word processor opening and press a button, and it would start typing out everything that was in the memory so you could then get into the word processor and save it. Um, And also when I was in elementary school, on those same Macintosh um, computers, they had something called KidPix. And what KidPix was, and this should be a nostalgia for anyone that was my age, what Kid Pics was is it was an art program where you could draw things out and it had a whole bunch of cool stamps and a whole bunch of cool like little preset things. So it had like bumblebees and had like likes different stamps of different like animals and different like you know objects and and um, it was really fun. That and also the original Apple II uh, for practicing, they would we would put um uh, they would have us put over our hands like a napkin, or so we couldn't see how we're typing. And we'd have to put our middle fingers on uh, the D key and the, I believe, the K key. And they also those are the the ones that, uh, the keys that also have the little bumps for the braille. And you would sit there and you would type and we would do, see how well we could do with the typing. But there was also another game we would play, it would be called Oregon Trail. In Oregon Trail you were responsible for an entire group of people to travel west or east i don't remember i think travel west because it you know they're as as the country's starting to grow you're traveling west using um horses and uh wagons and you're responsible for when people get sick like people get dysentery and die and you also have to manage the resources so they don't you have to hunt buffalo and stuff so you got to make sure you don't die and then once you get Either you win or you lose. You get a printout on a dot matrix printer.
1: You know the one <laughs> with the
0: with the edges with the dots on. You know yes. you can perforated where you could take them off. You get a report um, saying how well you did. And um, so those are some of the things I remember from elementary school when you were talking about um, you know technology. So
1: yeah, just technology in general between video games and having computers and typing and yeah it's pretty think
0: it's, think about how different our lives are are now. Do mm-hmm. you remember before the internet? Mm-hmm. you know here's the thing. I'm kind of conflicted on it before the internet the only thing that you could pull outside of yourself would be informations that are in books, right or people experiences and so if you needed to do research, you go to a library, right? you go to mm-hmm. the you know uh card card catalog. You go to Encyclopedia Britannica. You, you know, do the, and it was on CD-ROM, and and nothing was live. And and I remember back in the day we used to do the 56K dial-up modem, and you know the phone line was oh, tied up. AOL and, dot com and cache cleanup on the computer where oh. it'd sit there um, on the Mac. And <laughs> I remember sitting right next to that radiator down in the basement, and we'd get kind of hot in that room. mm mm-hmm. And we would be, I would go and be going on GeoCities and looking at the, the source code of the websites. And and I made my own Ge- GeoCities website and had so much fun just kind of playing around and learning HTML. And I made a, I made a game site um, on GeoCities back in the day. That was my first site, I think, at the age of like 11 or 12. And then you were on eBay.
1: Remember? Oh, eBay was, oh my gosh, that was dangerous. Yes. But yes, eBay and... When you're talking about AOL.com, I just remember the phone line was always tied up. There was, was always someone. And so we couldn't have people call us. So we ended up basically, I don't know if you remember this, but we got a second phone line just so we, we could, did. Because I said, I need the phone because I worked at home and sometimes people would be trying to get a hold of me with my work. And how it many was,
0: times did he try calling?
1: Oh, yes. One,
0: 34 or something. What was that? What was the max? What was the highest number he tried to
1: call? Oh, 27 times. And he couldn't get through, and it was a panic. I worked for this company. Um, I did promotional sewing type of things. Also, I did design for um, ski areas, doing backpacks and climbing harnesses and all kinds of ski. Um, Which was
0: big out here. Yeah, like Like the, the, the company J-Rat, right? Which they did the climbing harnesses.
1: Yeah, like I worked for, so I was an independent contractor, but nonetheless, it was like, I was amazingly fast at my job and they would just give me stuff like in the morning that had to be out at the end of the day, end of the day where the poor guy that came to pick the stuff up from my house would have to drive down to the airports because it'd have to be flown out. It was just like, I mean, it was a chaotic career saying the very least but very very well got to the point where it was wonderful because I could be home um with my children and be here I, I really enjoyed it for its time uh but honestly it was also very tiring and for me when it was in the home there was always that, like, I need to get up early. I need to get this done. And then I had that drive with, well, when someone's trying to call you 27 times, that just is one particular job for from that company. And that was a promotional company. So they did a lot of things for banners and tents. It was uh, for a lot of events that came up. So many times they would get this job and it'd have to be out like in a next day or two. And it was like, I don't remember once not finishing it up. I remember just going, okay, I can do this. And it was, I look back and I'm like going, oh my gosh, how did I continually, was I able to continually sew that quickly for God knows 10, 12 hours at a time to be able to satisfy that company's needs. And it's funny to look back because you're so right, because you remember, and I can say his name Pete, but he was like neurotic as hell. I mean, no, he was
0: high strung as hell. Because like, I actually Jesus. kind of, sort of, indirectly worked for him over <laughs> the course of that summer. Fortunately, mostly it was—I um, forget what the owner's name is—because I, I actually worked worked for him. But I was in charge of helping move that company over that course of the summer. Oh,
1: that was crazy! Yeah, you, it was kind of. And just, it was
0: even a demo. I did demo work on but the new that building? was too. Even
1: like a spur of the moment thing. Hey, Zach, can you, hey, you got a son? Can he come over here and work? And it was always like. Behind, like okay, we've got to get to here, but we'll take whatever we can get. And you know, I loved Pete. He was an awesome human being, did really big-hearted guy. But I'll tell you what, he depended on me, and uh, that was a company I was working for before I moved to California in two thousand nine. Yep, and he told me when I came back and went over to visit him, and he said I had to hire three people <laughs> to keep up with you. And I laughed because I went, whoa, I didn't know that. But I just knew I was like determined. Like it's almost like a, the challenge was kind of satisfying to me.
0: Yeah, they did um, silkscreen printing, a lot of silkscreen design, mm-hmm. design, that whole design department that worked in um, not Photoshop, um, but uh, and not Acrobat, but the one that um, they work on the vector graphics. And so what they would do is they would have um, their clients send them photos of the business. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have the vector graphic, they would turn their logo into a vector graphic. And then they would print um, the negative. I'm trying to think how that works. Yeah, they would, they would print the ambers, uh, the amber papers, and actually shoot using a light that's brighter than the sun to photoresist the silkscreen and then wash off the silk screen so you have the negative. And that's why the ink flowed through the the silk screen. And then after they print it, then it goes through a dryer. So I did do some, um, I didn't really do um, very much printing. I mostly uh, was a catcher for the drying. But then um, any time we were not moving. But it was like, that was only like the first week because um, a few days later, all of a sudden, I remember uh, the owner asking me, he said, do you have experience driving a truck? And I said to him, I said, because it was was like a 24 foot truck. Okay. And I said to him, I said, um, I said, not very much, but I said, but I just said, I said, um, if you, um, I said, but if you just take your corners, um, uh, you know, wide, um, I think everything should be okay. And he said, he, he thought that was really cool that I said that. He, he was like, he was fine. Like, you know, with me doing it after I said that.
1: that that's so crazy. Well, you know, what's really... Gratif- they just wanted to
0: make sure I didn't, you know, oh, to a sardine can the the moving truck. You yeah,
1: know? gotcha. But what was really satisfying for me is that I did a lot of banners and things for the Denver Broncos. And um, when we did our cruise years, which was later on, um, one of the tents, because I knew how I sewed the tents. And they were just, you kind of know your own work is when I saw a promotional tent in Hawaii and I went up to it and I'm like going, I sewed this tent. That's kind of cool. In Louisville, Colorado. And this made it all the way to Hawaii. And it was, it was cool because it was like, you know, it was like you had touched that piece. You had actually built that and it ended up somewhere. And a lot of the banners I had done were televised, you know, it was, it's, it, it was a good job. Needless to say, um, a bit tiring and many times anxiety producing, but I look back and I, I mean, honestly, it was great to be able to have that type of a job at that time in my life. So I could be, I could be around the home.
0: You were the terminator (laughs) working. She worked pretty much just all the time uh, Uh, because, because she got peace rate for it. But as a result, she didn't do bad. You know, you didn't do bad financially as a result, but you did work yourself to the bone. And I was going to say, um, so you, you mentioned that real quick, but to just revisit it, not to keep talking too long about it, but what would you say the nostalgia factor for that job was, or at that time, if you compare it to anything?
1: I would say that the nostalgia factor to that were the individuals that worked at this company.
0: Oh, George, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I Getting to know those people and having a relationship, like I talked about Pete, well, it, he, he's dear to my heart. He had, he had a great heart. He was a, he's a really cool dude. And I, gosh, I haven't seen him in years. I don't know. I think, um, um, the company, I don't know if I should say it, but the company is still going. It's a promotional company. Um, but anyway,
0: that's half the name, by the way.
1: Yes. I said half, I kind of cut it off, but, uh, you know, one of these days, I think I'll go over there. Um, but no, that was just like people that work there were very kind of cool characters, I guess I could say, because they all came from kind of a little bit different backgrounds. And we all worked as a team. And I think that's the thing when you say what was like the memorabilia of that job was just the team, team part of it. I mean, it was more than me just getting it completed. It was George driving it to the airport and a lot of times, as you know, in Colorado, you know, in the winter times, we have these snows that come, and, you know, we're just like sometimes minutes, and he's going, if you can get this out by such and such a time, it's going to take me this long to get to the airport, and though it was just kind of like a fun deal because it seemed big, and it seemed like, you know, important, important and like so many people were involved, and I I really liked a lot of the people that worked there. They were very, very good people.
0: yeah. You know, talking about good people, um, you know, my last job, not to talk too much about it, but I was just going to say it wasn't like everyone there I really connected with, but there were a lot that I did. Oh, yeah. You know, there's always going to be the one person that you have a problem with. But, um, you know, it was such a nice job to have just to have that level of trust and a level of responsibility. And like you're saying, you know, where they would be taking stuff to FedEx last minute. I was taking samples to <laughs> FedEx last minute. Sometimes, like, you know, because they they, uh, they would close at um, their warehouse in Louisville, would close at 630. And so I remember sometimes getting there just a bit late, but they hadn't closed yet. Um, one time I got turned away. But otherwise, I would always kind of be like, OK, I got to plate my samples and I've got to have a half an hour to get here but there were sometimes I'd be speeding because I had my 2008 Mazda Miata and um you know it was manual clutch and I would just clutch my way to try to make it there on time um on several occasions and it's just cuz what happened what, what would happen is I would be working very intently and I'd have to identify what samples were which by you know performing um genetics testing uh using uh the um using PCR to amplify uh, a product to see if a a gene or a trait is there. And, um, you know, I'd identify my bands and and identify which ones, and then I'd have to sort through them. I'd have to measure the quantity of the DNA. And then, and back then before that, when I used to have issues with concentration, because I was using too much water, I'd even have to bake my samples to get some water off of them. That's crazy. Put them in an oven for a bit to evaporate some of it off. So I'd concentrate it. And i I remember when my boss told me that that would work. It didn't seem like to me it would work because the oven seems so dirty. And here, these there's really these real sensitive genetic samples. I thought it wouldn't work, but it worked fine. So to make, anyways, to make a long story short, um, for me, I've gotten some nostalgia with my job too because they're just, it. it was in part the culture that had been built before me. I got the chance to build that same culture back into it and I also got some good feedback from the time I was a, away. Um, that one guy, said, said, um, it's not been the same since you left.
1: Well, of course not.
0: And it made me feel good because I got the opportunity to work with a lot of students and got to teach them, um, you know, the scientific process. Um, and I'd been involved in that lab for, for, as a volunteer for two and a half years before I got hired part-time for a year. And then there was a nine-month period where there was no grant money before a big five-year-year-long grant got funded, and I got promoted to lab manager a month later after it was funded. And that has been my life up until that point. And what's crazy, the part that kind of sucks a little bit, is I only got one my name on one paper for all of that work. Hey, you made
1: it on work. one. Hey, you made it on one. I did,
0: I did, and I also can put it on my resume. But now the question is, what I do? What do I do next? But, um.
1: That's another topic, right? Another, That's a whole
0: other topic for a whole other podcast for a whole other conversation. But you know, um, but I, I but I do have memories from some of my jobs and and stuff that really um, that are very memorable to me.
1: I was going to say, isn't there kind of a thrill factor with racing the clock? Because we both are talking yeah, about the same is. thing. Like, there's that little adrenaline rush. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? I think I can do this. And shortcuts, like you're talking about baking mm-hmm. it to get the water out of it there, it's so cool how creative you can be with shortcuts. And, and it's like, if I do it this way and I plan this, then I can do this. There's that whole thing about, and then when you accomplish it, whoa, I did it. So, yeah. you know, realizing that you're productive and we both have this really perfectionistic ethic and that's what I'm going to call it. Cause that's what it is with what we do. So both Zach and I are just, so and so with our jobs we try our very very hardest and we will we do. do so much more it's passion. than it's passion and we both are really passionate people in case you haven't noticed by this time if this is the first time hopefully you'll see in the podcast that we're passionate but we're so passionate and so particular and so dedicated and <coughs> That's just a trait we have, which I think can be positive. I also think it can be hard at times, but mm-hmm. I, I really like that trait because it's like always trying to do things the best that you can. And yes, there's limits. We both know we're not perfection. We're we not perfect, but we, we aim, strive towards it though. We strive. And I think that's, a, I don't know, I think I embrace that. And I think that's a really positive characteristic.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of my a lot of my satisfaction with my last job was just derived from the fact that I was not micromanaged. I was entrusted, I had autonomy, I had agency, I had accountability. I also what? had flexibility about me getting the work done as fast as I could, but also flexibility, you know, if it came in an hour later, or whatever. It was kind of more of a quota based job, but it was handled in a way that with a lot of trust and a lot of respect, in a way that, I mean, really for me, my boss very few times has said, well done, really good work. But I know in the scientific process when I got good results, when my, when I would image my gels and I would have a result for every animal and, and everything. I'd look at that and it felt really good to be able to use my hands. And what's great is not everyone can get pleasure. I'm talking about the chemicals in our brain that get released when we do something, when we create something or when we're productive or we do good work for me. And that's I would get the natural release. It's not like anyone was telling me I'm doing a good job. I was telling myself I was doing a good job and really realizing it. It's it was true. like magic to do to use these tools to get these answers, almost like magic. And then be like, "Oh man, I did real good."
1: So rewarding.
0: Did real well. Yep.
1: It really, really is. So, uh, it, how about you? Like when you were an '80s guy. Mm-hmm. So. I love the fact you remember that about the Mega Man. That's really cool. I didn't realize that till we talked on this podcast. But other memories that you have that kind of are near and dear to your heart from your era of when you grow up?
0: Well, if I try to think of the earliest memories, so working forward, sorry, working backward forward, there we go. Um, I would have to say... I, some, I remember, well, and there's some good memories here um, of when uh, the three of us would be playing video games, my brother, you, and me, and uh, fucking Josh would always be stealing the controller Uh and always stealing my turns. And so it was helpful to have you there policing, but he'd still get away with murder, by the way. And I remember there were some times where that was kind of bad. I would I would try running away, and then you come after me, and then you'd realize that you know after I was like, no, 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 and I keep walking away. That was kind of a game. So you kind of did a little bit of reverse psychology, and then I'd be like, no, you're not chasing after me. You know why you're not chasing after me, kind of thing. So, but um, I actually the uh, secrets
1: come out now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think um, I think about Super Mario Brothers three. That oh, was a very was popular game. Really
1: great game. Great name. Really a great game yeah. um,
0: you know, they had the big world. They had the small world. You know which game I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh Raccoon Mario. I love the Mario. Uh, the series. one where he's in the boot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, so that was a really great game. Um, I, I mean, I'll I'll talk about other things other than video games, but it kind of is my life is all kind of <laughs> relates to video games because it's just kind of like um, it brings up. It's almost like an anchor point for my other memory, sort of. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the next. Oh, I remember. It was like 1992 or 1993. And at the time, could not afford. I couldn't afford. My brother couldn't afford. And sure as hell, you weren't going to fork out. I can't remember how much it was. It was like 200, 250, 300 bucks. I can't remember. Super Nintendo system. And with the Super Nintendo system, one of the launch titles was Super... Not Super Mario World. What the heck was it called? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, Super Mario... Is it Super Mario World? I think it is. Yeah, it is Super Mario World. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was right about that. Yeah, Super Mario World, and you had Yoshi, mm-hmm. and it all, all these updated graphics. And I remember that game would get rented, um, and... A lot of times it would be my brother renting the system and he'd have a friend over and I would watch for hours and hours and hours. And then once they'd fall asleep, he would unplug it. So I'd have to like sneak over. And one time I kind of got a little bit electrocuted trying to plug it in slowly. <laughs> um, but I would, then I would turn down the sound and just try my best to not have them wake up because they get pissed for up for, you know, because I'm just the annoying little brother for playing it or whatever. But I really wanted to play it. I remember seeing them beat the Bowser with, you know, the in the in the spinny cup thing, you know, and, um, the, the very ending boss fight. And it was a really, really cool game, but honestly, as a precursor to that, before that even happened, um, my brother had a friend and I'm trying to remember what his name was. This was um, when we were living over off of orange orchard, but anyways, and he lived in Palo park. I'm not sure if his name was, wasn't Paul. It was something else, but so it was a long time ago. It was before we had moved, but um, anyways, he was playing, I believe it was Final Fantasy 2, or I, it wasn't Final Fantasy 3, I don't think, but it was Final Fantasy 2, and I saw that game, and the battle system, and the overworld map, and all the places you could visit, and I was like, oh my god, that is such a cool game. And so I remember I rented it. I tried renting it years later, or sorry, uh, sometime later. accidentally ended up renting Mystic Quest, which, by the way, for anyone that's uh, listening that has played video games, you know Mystic Quest is a piece of crap. I mean, some people say it's got good music, but what it is, is a westernized version of that game, because I hate to say it, this sounds racist, but it's true. Japanese people think that Americans don't know how to play Japanese games because they're not good at games and so it was a simplified version and then years later i'm like oh it was it was final fantasy 2 uh i just got confused at that age which one it was and then later on i played final fantasy 3 and that's when i had met keith so I, our whole friendship is based on that game sort of we played a ton of that um together but separate from that um other memories um i think of is i think of when i was learning to play the piano Mm -hmm. And I also think about when I was learning to play the guitar, those kinds of things that were happening in my life. So there are a lot of memories that are tied either to activities, um, or, I mean, mostly activities, um, that are seemingly unrelated, mind you. Um, and I even have stuff of early, early 90s, you know, do you remember the place called Replays where Josh would go and you would sometimes go where they had used games?
1: Yeah, I do. But I wanted to just back up for a yeah, moment because um, when you used to rent the system or Josh used to rent the system, yeah. Nostalgia Time, everyone, Blockbuster Video, that's oh, where yeah. we'd rent them. And you oh, know God. what? No, let's talk
0: about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you know something? We had the greatest time as a family going over there. Because it was an
0: activity on Fridays. It was
1: an activity. And the place was just swamped. Swamped. Like,
0: like 45 minutes to an hour yeah, just to get checked out.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times there'd be a newly released movie. Mm-hmm. And it'd be gone. And we're going, no. So we would always, we were okay. We'd find something else to watch and we all agree on it. And it was just such a cool time. We'd come home and make popcorn. And you guys would generally buy candy because they had it by the check stand at Blockbuster. Blockbuster was such a
0: cool cool.
1: time. And it was really sad to me. And that's, I guess, Netflix and other other, um, companies came into play.
0: Did you know that... Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy Netflix. They were offering them early on to buy them.
1: No. <laughs> Who decided that? That would have been amazing.
0: They didn't think that it was going to take off the way that it did. And they were dead wrong. And then they were trying to catch up and then they weren't able to. Do you know there's only one Blockbuster left? I know. And there's I'm a trying whole documentary. to remember where that is. I want to say it's in, um. Uh, what's the uh, state that, uh, sorry, Oregon. I think it's in Oregon. Yeah, you wait in line for 45 minutes. It was like an activity. And while you're waiting in line, there's all these other movies on the shelf you, you could watch. And one thing before, while she's looking that up, I just want to say, when you used to go to the movie theater, you used to be able to go see a movie, the whole family for 20 bucks, 25 bucks, within, with uh, con- uh, concessions, with, you know, with food. And you want to know how much it is for a ticket now. Have you looked? I think AMC Theater is 22 or $23 for a ticket. Wow, it's Non-matinee shit. price is like 23 bucks a person. 50 cents
1: when I was a kid. Boy, that shows.
0: Ass a fucking nine. I'm sorry, but that is that is exploit level cost. And I understand that ticket prices didn't go up for a very long time. I remember when they used to be $5 or five fifty. but sorry. 23 bucks. Fuck that shit.
1: Well, you know what?
0: That didn't include concessions either.
1: Yes, and concessions, let's not even go into that, because can Why are they even
0: called concessions? Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I never thought of that. But you know what? You add that together with something to drink and a popcorn and a little candy, mm-hmm. you easily have spent 100 bucks with just even a couple people. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find the last one. Um, I'm going to put last oh, blockbuster. Yeah, I think
0: it's in Oregon. Last blockbuster. I think it's in Oregon. Um Yeah, it's in Bend, Oregon. B E N D. Ah, good yeah. good memory. It opened in nineteen ninety-two. Um, as Pacific Video, and in two thousand it converted into a Blockbuster franchise, and it is literally the last Blockbuster alive. They don't um the parent company Blockbuster is out of business. So what happened is it got bought up by I forget what if you ever watched the documentary, it got bought up by um What was that Dish? I think it's owned by Dish Network. Um, So Dish Network bought up the failing blockbuster, you know, um, and what they did is they allow it to still operate, but they're responsible for, so they pay a franchise fee still, but it's the only franchise that exists, uh, only location. And the owner uh, is responsible for buying the video's from Costco and stuff. They can't source them from the parent company because the parent There's company doesn't parent exist. Can. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that's really cool because <clears throat> you know, they say um Nostalgia's starring role yeah. in the last blockbuster and that movie came out in 2019 and we watched it. And it was really a good movie. I enjoyed it. But to me that's like okay, I'm just going to say Nostalgia Drive-In Theaters. Oh my gosh. You don't go to drive-in theaters anymore. That was a part of my growing up. You don't even up. go
0: to the theaters anymore unless you want to be, have your pocketbook completely emptied.
1: I mean, drive-in theaters, when I was a teenager, yeah, a bunch neat. of us would go in a car and we'd stick a couple of kids in the trunk just for fun. So we would have to pay less. Oh, and, really?
0: Could they breathe in there?
1: Oh, yeah. Just for the time, just outside the gate. And then we would drive in there, and you know, they I never
0: heard this about stat. Did you stash me in there?
1: Oh, no. That's, they, they so, when you say
0: kids, who, which kids are you talking about? I'm about
1: talking about me being. Are you a- talking
0: about proverbial, proverbial kids?
1: I'm talking about me being a teenager and my friends.
0: Okay. So, who were the kids, though? You still haven't answered the question.
1: The kids are my friends.
0: Oh, I see. So, not actually children, children.
1: No. I'm talking about adolescent teenagers.
0: Te- okay, all so right. So it's stuff all
1: teenagers right. would do. Okay, and- all right. That makes
0: perfect sense. Sorry, I thought you were just talking about taking a two and a three year old and shove them in the trunk. Oh
1: god. No, and please let's make that perfectly clear. I never, I never stuffed my children in the trunk. For God's sake, Zach. This was when I was a teenager, and it was not like we were actually sticking our friends in the trunk. Everyone was wanting to be the one to climb into the trunk and get in free. So. Mm-hmm hey, two or three would jump in the trunk how many could fit in there and then we would drive in and you would have this speaker that had a cord and you'd hook it on your window and it'd be cold. So sometimes you would have to start the car and warm the car up and then there'd be steam on the windows. This is all part of nostalgia. It was so cool to go to drive in. When I was a little girl, my parents used to take me and I'd have my jammies with my pillow That's really kind of neat. It was so cool. And it's like, I know that there are probably still some drive-in movies that still exist. I think mm-hmm. there are. But to me, that was sad. when the holiday drive-in on 28th Street in Boulder closed down. That was a big... I hung out there in, in high school. It was, it was such a cool thing to do. And it was almost more fun to go to the drive-in than a theater. Because, you know, you could just be laughing and stuff in a car. Whereas if you're, you know, you can't really talk in a movie theater because people get on your case. So you could be talking and laughing and just hooping it up in the car. You wouldn't be bothering people next to you. Um, But yeah, that's, that's talking about nostalgia. I hadn't even thought of that one. That was huge for me driving. Yeah. Drive-ins. I mean, throughout the time when I was a little girl into my adolescent (coughs) years and I don't believe, I think. I don't think, oh my gosh, now you're making me think. I don't think before I had children, I think that theaters, drive-ins probably went out when I was in my 20s, early 20s or something. They haven't been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was was really cool. And bowling alleys, gosh. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on this one, okay? Bowling is fun, okay? Bowling is fun because you meet people. And being on a league is fun because you compete. And so you have your team, and you're all working together, competing against other teams. And as of now, we used to have a Thunderbird Lanes in Boulder, Colorado, and an Olympic Lanes in Boulder, Colorado. There is no bowling alley in Boulder, Colorado anymore because it's, I don't know, is it the perfect town or there's no room for it or whatever? I think bowling's fun. I've always loved to bowl, and and it's just... It was cool because, you know, I mean, it's I, I watched it go from when you used to have that, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think what the projector is called, but it's it's like the projector where it projects onto the wall from where you're writing. We had those in school. Like you would put something on the projector. Okay, which so you're a light. just talking
0: about the transparency projector.
1: Yeah, I don't know the technical it's term. It's just a transparency projector. Yeah. That's all it is. But anyway, used to have these little... Uh, kind of waxy pencils that you'd have to score by hand, and then oh my gosh, it came in computerized where you could score. Mm-hmm. The computer would. Yeah, score you're, you're talking about the talking
0: about the dot, the dot. Yeah. Um, and then that was like Scantron, kind of, or it's not kind Scantron, of a cool uh, thing
1: because it, I mean scoring yeah, was Scantrons. kind of cool when you sit down and scored. Okay, you had to make sure you mm-hmm. knew your arithmetic well, be to add and subtract and all that stuff but it gave you more time when you didn't have to keep score anymore and it automatically did it because then you could converse with the people you're with. So anyway, I just think, um, I think the last podcast or the one before that was about how time has changed. Social time has changed a lot. And we always talk about COVID cause that's such a big thing in our lives, but even more so the social media that is just taken over where people do not get together in person anymore And bowling was cool because every single week, if you were in a league, you had already committed. And the cool thing is, Zach, I don't know if you know this, but bowling shirts with your team. Okay. So you had bowling shirts that you wore with your team insignia on the back. So it was kind of classy because you came up with your name and you had them printed, not printed. Maybe sometimes they were embroidered, whatever. But I remember... When I was all of 19 years old, I was on a team with my husband at the time and another couple we knew. There are four of us. And we had these purple T-shirts with gold lettering, gold or high colors. And we were called the Road Runners. Isn't that cute?
0: That is cute.
1: So purple T-shirts with gold lettering. And they were really cute. I think I still have my T-shirt somewhere. You'll have to show it to you one of these days. I think I still have that.
0: So not to be a buzzkill. Yeah. Um I know it's exciting to talk, but your first it's ah, kind of a little loud. Okay. So so don't worry about your energies, just be careful when you start, when you you know that's um it is is getting a little loud. Um I don't know how to do anything on the sideboard to fix that. Um, um but anyways, um so anyways, I sorry, I don't mind. Oh no, need to it's just hurtful or anything. I
1: it's not hurtful. It's, I just am so pat- yeah. I'm an enthusiastic, passionate person and I just really get into something, and not only is it in my voice, it's in my hands, it's in my body, it's it's in my expression. I just am that way. That's who I am. I so, guess I
0: could turn you down, but I don't want to. No, nah, don't turn okay. me down. I'll, All right. I'll just All right. I'll be
1: focused. Hey, this is only our sixth podcast, yeah. and it's awareness. It's gaining awareness. So I my feelings aren't hurt. I want it to be consistent. I want it to be good, and so you're just trying to tell me something that I need just to Just a little on. bit of feedback. That's oh yeah, feedback, just like on this. We don't want too much feedback. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So um <clears throat> I was gonna say another nostalgia factor for me um, is malls. Oh. And what I'm specifically talking about is indoor malls, okay? Yeah. These are becoming a bit of a lost whale, I like to call, you know, I'd like to say. Um, because Obviously, Amazon has completely changed the way Ugh. that we shop. And Ugh. for people that don't use Amazon, great. But for most of us, we always, at least on occasion, order something on Amazon. There are people that order absolutely, almost absolutely everything on Amazon. Did you hear Amazon's now getting into pharmacy?
1: I did. And you know something? Which
0: is kind of scary. I think it's it's a step beyond.
1: We're going to have Amazon gas stations pretty soon. Yep. I mean, seriously. Okay. Amazon so- Consulate. So I am raising my hand as guilty because life gets busy and you can order and you don't have to go shopping. But I do, honest to goodness, I miss the indoor malls because me too. okay, Crossroads Mall in Boulder was yeah. was built in the early sixties. I was just a little girl and I remember my mom telling me because that was just There was nothing there before Crossroads. It was just land. And she said, they're doing the coolest thing. They're building a mall, so we are not going to get cold anymore when it snows. And I'm going, what? And she said, yeah. Like, you can go into a door, and you can go to all these shops. And so I was so young. I don't really remember. I remember her telling me, but other than that, I just thought it was cool. So the thing I'm not understanding is that all of a sudden— We bought Crossroads is non-existent and we build Mm -hmm. an outdoor mall. Yeah. When we already
0: have an outdoor mall, Pearl Street.
1: We have Pearl Street Outdoor Mall, which, okay, wintertime, it snows, it gets slippery and icy, which is, I mean, let's face it, people can fall and get hurt. Okay. Maybe I'm just too idealistic here, but to me, I'm not sure what we're trying to accomplish. I can see if, if the climate is right. Maybe you don't need an indoor mall, but I think for Colorado. um, And then we had a mall that was like um, the mall of the world in Denver, and that was called Cinderella City. And when Cinderella City, mm, that must have been the 70s. Oh, my gosh. Everyone went to Cinderella City. It was the coolest mall anywhere. So where was that? That was down in Denver. Oh, cool. And it's non-existent. And then we, uh, there was also a mall in North Glen that had hot air balloons that would go up in the, middle uh, of the mall. Not North Glen, it was Westminster Westminster, Westminster that's it. Yeah. Sorry, Westminster Mall.
0: I remember that mall and have a lot of nostalgia about that mall mm. because of the balloons. So what it was is there was a fountain. Yeah. So it was a fountain yes. in like a big like pool of water and then you, they had these pieces of metal that were coming out of the water and then you had these balloons that would go up and down, and it was the way they were able to stay stationary is there was a wire that went from all the way down in where the air, hot air came out, to, or maybe just air, I don't know, all the way to the ceiling, and they would go up and down in the. <clears throat> it was in the central part of the mall, and there did there was did the Disney store was in the central part, the Orange Julius was in the central yep. part. Yep. I don't remember what other malls were in the, uh, sorry, other stores were in the central part. And I also remember when I was a kid there. I don't know if other people have had the fear of Santa Claus. Okay. I had a, a fear of Santa Claus and my brother knew it. And so what would happen is he would try to force me to see Santa. And how,
1: how did he force you to see Santa?
0: He would like pick me up and say, Oh, and, and dra- drag me to the front of the line and try to, or try to, forced me to see Santa and I'm like, I don't want to see Santa. I, and you know what? That's kind of smart as a kid, right? Isn't that smart? Like, I mean, I'm not saying every person that dresses up as Santa is a creep, but isn't that kind of smart for me to not want to be on Santa's lap? Do and- you want
1: to know? I had just talked to a coworker the other day because this, you know, because of all the things that happen in this world that are very sick and sad. Yeah. You know what? When I was a little girl, I sat on Santa's lap. No thoughts of any sexual abuse, no no yeah, weirdos. What happened though? Okay. But I'm a, I'm this is a question, Mike I don't have little kids, I don't have any grandkids, whatever. Santa Claus, I think, still exists. I I mean, well no. Wait a oh, oh my god. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> my
0: mom's lost it. Sorry, people. There's this is a technical difficulty. We'll be right back. Um, <laughs> no, um, what I
1: mean is that I believe that, oh God, stop it now already. Okay. What I'm saying is, does Santa still come to meet people at the mall? And are they still allowed to sit on his lap? That yeah, was
0: absolutely a, modern times. Yeah. I Even if he's got a heart on, it's fine.
1: Oh, come on. This is going down a place I don't want to go. Okay, I'm just asking a very innocent question. Okay, are
0: you saying that be better if Santa was a, was, a, was a woman?
1: No, okay. How do you know that Santa isn't? Now that, to me... Well, how do we
0: not know that God is not a goddess? Okay, right. Like, like or, or maybe they're both.
1: Well, and that's true. But, you know, here we go again. Men and women, discrimination against women. Why can't a woman be a Santa and put a beard on
0: well, she can't usually normally grow facial hair, so unless she's on a bunch of androgens, I don't okay. really see that's going to happen. So
1: can't. It's true for some men; they don't grow much facial hair. So there.
0: Well, like me, I'm 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 pretty hairless.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, it's it's a good point you bring up. I mean, I believe when I was growing up, they were all guys. Okay. At least they okay, look so, to be. So
0: I'm 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 willing to go off on a limb here and hear what you're wanting to say, but. Uh, can you tell me what you mean? Uh, okay, uh, okay. Santa will have fake facial hair then because she can't grow. But but what, are you, what What were you saying?
1: Okay, point is, I'm going to go back to my very point. And okay. I know it was so funny when I said to you, the Santa Claus exists. What I was saying, what I'm trying to say, oh my gosh, I got set myself in She has such derailed, a, I people. I have derailed so bad with this. Okay. Is that used to be so innocent since there's a lot of perverted people.
0: They call them peepees for short, perverted peoples.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of speechless right now. Okay, so what I'm asking is I am wondering... If Santa Claus exists at malls where kids still sit on laps, or do they have to go up and face Santa without sitting on his lap? I'm no, asking you, well, a really good question I'll here. I'll tell you
0: the answer. They sit on his lap, but there is a particle board in between <laughs> his lap and the child. <laughs> there. So there's a wedgie. <laughs> a wedgie? What are you talking about? That's, like, that's on the rear end. you saying Santa needs to, to be wearing a thong?
1: Oh gosh! <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> so, anyways, do you want to change the subject now?
1: I think this has gone deeper than I need. I'm going to do some investigative work.
0: Yes, we're going to have another podcast on this.
1: Okay, I'm doing some investigative work on my own, and I'm going to Google and see if kids still send us letters. Lot.
0: I don't know, you know, what you're asking. It's a are you, you're like, is the magic gone, or are you saying because? Because we're in a more hypersexualized world that that's a not going to happen. A more
1: hypersexualized world. Okay. I'll okay. Get... I,
0: okay. That's a fair question. Now. Okay. okay. All right.
1: Okay. That all right. Is we're back where... on track.
0: <laughs> the, we derailed, but we've we've landed back on the tracks now. <laughs> we got her laughing so hard right now.
1: Oh, Zach. Who? Oh. Hey, we this but, is like
0: our first laughing podcast. This is oh great.
1: My, oh, my gosh. I mean, we do this. This is what we do. Well, when, we're, we,
0: when things are more normal, which they haven't been in a very long time. No, but. but
1: I love the fact that we can laugh about this because it's just, it's like how words can be turned in a way that just yeah. does not, it comes out it's in a way that you did not mean it. And then it goes in all these directions. Okay. Goodbye, Santa Claus. I will check in with you guys when I have an answer on this because Zach is not giving me the direct answer and he thinks I'm way out there in space, which I guess I am when I'm saying, is there still Santa Claus? Is there still the Easter bunny? I think
0: the answer is yes. I don't see why it would change. I think it comes down to individual parents to decide if they want their kids sitting on status lap or not. And they have to make a choice by looking him square in the eyes to see if he seems like a reasonable person. And some parents might even slip them a few dollars just to make sure there's nothing crazy that goes on, you know, as a as as a tip.
1: You know, this is really really sad because when I was a little girl, I don't know, maybe my parents thought of this, but when... are you just not
0: sure that your your brain was more innocent at that point and didn't think about it because it's kind of like me, okay? When I was a kid, I was like, oh, life is amazing. And then you lose your innocence and you're like, ah, oh, life is shit. I still have And it's have like, this you like, just sadly, hate doing everything. You know what I mean?
1: Sadly, I'm still learning about life and I still have this innocence. And it's kind of cool that I do because I'm like, going, really? Like people will say things and I'll go, really? Is that true? I don't know. Call it naive or call it. Naivete. Naivete or tea? Naivete. Naivete. Okay, call it na- naivete whatever that might be in French. I was thinking what that might be in French, but anyway, that's going down a different road. Santa Claus was Christmas and the big, beautiful trees in the mall. We're getting back to the mall. I'm trying to change the scene back from that.
0: Yes. But now I'm still picturing Santa right next to that big tree. (laughs) Sorry. And think of how long that tree is.
1: (laughs) I love the trees at the malls. (laughs) Because why tree- are you talking about the trees? I've added this whole
0: like element of like wood
1: because they had the most they had the biggest trees <laughs> <laughs> and they were decorated so well like the ornaments oh my god, those ornaments were like beautiful and they were big <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that like a symbolism for an STD on the tree? <laughs>
1: You know what? Um, I always used to like um, (laughs) the Today program because they would tell you where they're cutting their tree and you get to watch them haul it down there. I don't know if they still do that either. God, why
0: are you still on the trees? (laughs) Okay. Anyways, I'll I'll let you finish. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think the malls were very... The malls are cool, and it's really sad to see the malls leaving us because of Amazon. Yeah. And no more Santa, maybe. Baby, True. baby. There's downtown Boulder. There's a Pearl Street Mall. Santa could go down there by the fountain,
0: by the courthouse. Be, he could be hiding out in the in the alleyway.
1: <laughs> he could be sitting on the court grounds, of the Re- courthouse, ready,
0: ready to grab you. Okay, anyways, back to the malls. The, the malls have all been closing down. It's really sad. That a lot of these malls, believe it or not, uh, if you do your research, were designed by the same person. What? Um, yeah. No way. Yes.
1: I think you're full of it.
0: So let's look this up. The I am. I'm going on right architect now. architect that designed most malls. I'm trying to remember what his name is. Victor Gruen. So V I. C-T-O-R-G-R-U-E-N is a pioneer of mall architecture across the United States. This is the guy that envisioned the indoor mall and made it reality. And it's his architecture that you see in uh, almost every mall. So if you wonder why most malls across America looked the way that they did is because of him. So he was the one that
1: What's Okay, he came up with, what you're saying to me is he came up with the idea of an indoor mall. Yes. He's the original. And what year was that, may I, may I ask um,
0: you? Let me see. I
1: mean, might as well, while well, we've
0: 19, got... 19, hold on.
1: Everyone okay. listening he's to this. Bo- he was
0: born in 1903 uh, in Vienna, raised in a Jewish upper middle class family, uh, grew in, and immigrated be, and to I'll the I'll United bet he's States still alive in today. 1938. No, I don't think so. Mom, um, he was born in 1903.
1: Well, that's why I'm laughing because you make it sound like, okay, so when was the last mall he built? I'm curious. I want to I know about this I think it was guy. in the
0: 80s or early 90s. Okay. So, um, but grew in, but I'm saying a lot of those malls for my generation at least were in your generation were built in the 60s, 70s, 80s. So, that's the reason why they all look kind of the same and they kind of have, you know, the same kind of uh design aesthetic uh sensibilities. And so Gruen immigrated to the United States in 1938 at the age of 35 after the aftermath and Germany's annexation of Austria. And he, let's see, he was commissioned in 1936 to design upscale retail stores in Vienna's posh Ringstrasse shopping district. And I'll tell you what the source is for this in a second. He arrived in New York at the time when America's architecture was moving away from classicism towards European modernism the 1930s influx of German refugee architects and designers such as uh, Mies van der Rohe, Walter Gruppus, <laughs> and Marcel Brewer changed the course of American architectural design. That's a mouthful. So what it was is, within two years of arriving in New York, Gruen was hired to work in the 1939 World's Fair of Futuristic Exhibitions and subsequently to design the Fifth Avenue Store for pre- prestigious retailers. The time when retail design was an emerge was emerging through a uh, denigrated field of America. Gruen earned critical acclaim for his advent guard store layouts, unique st- uh, shop fronts, and original materials and theatrical lighting based on the consumer theory that interiors must dazzle and entertain to stimulate shoppers and the economy. Gruen's signature style was the intertwine art and beauty with cons- uh, commercialism to- and uh, capture the European allure and Ven, Ven, urban urbanity um, to which he was so attached. Um, he moved to Los Angeles in 1941. Gruen's retail architectural practice extended to the design of specialized store chains, department stores earning national recognition. Uh, foremost among these was Gruen's first department store uh, was called um, Mill Irons, which opened in 1949 in L.A. Uh, in the L.A. Sub- suburb of Westchester, sorry, in the L.A. suburb a Westchester. This is going to hurt our transcription later. Um, and you're like,
1: the one who's going to do this one. What? The transcription with all these big words.
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to let my computer do a lot more on that later. I'm actually going to probably work on a project to make um, a transcription more or less, well, let's, if not free, very, very cheap for people that are doing podcasting because I'm really angry at how much money people are making in this area it's 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 uh ex- exploitive um
1: so and i heard you with what you said and i think it's wonderful what you're going to uh, do. And let me just see real quick the source but, of this
0: this was sa- sajo.com uh insights and histories um um so sajo.com slash insight slash victor hyphen gruen hyphen the hyphen father hyphen of hyphen the hyphen american hyphen shopping mall Slash, and that's how you get to this article.
1: No, you know, it's crazy because I really didn't realize indoor malls had been around that long. Um, although yeah. I did say Crossroads was built in 19, early 1960s. Okay, so I looked it up mm-hmm. and the first mall that he built was in Edna, Edna, yeah, Edna, Minnesota and it opened its doors in 1956. Yep. And it said that the design was revolutionary. It was. And I think that's really...
0: Did you never hear that story? Really?
1: No, I didn't. This, okay. I'm telling you, I didn't, because I never thought about it. I never yeah. thought, did someone create, like, you know, when you just kind of know something's happening, and, and a lot of times, yes, I do have that brain that is just really picks things apart, but I never really thought about um, who created that, who thought of that first, you know? And I didn't... Mm-hmm. Moreover, I did not realize that he was responsible for a lot of malls. So it'd be interesting if he was like the founder of Crossroads Mall, because the first mall he built was in 1956. I
0: believe he was, but let's just check this Which would make
1: sense, because I think it was 63 that the Crossroads Mall was constructed in 1963.
0: Let's see. It said... Here we go. Was it 1963? Because I think I found it. Was it 1963 that Crossroads? I think it was. Okay. I think... uh, Let's see.
1: I don't know why that stands out in my mind. Okay. Okay. 1963 until until 2004. Okay. Has it been gone that long? In
0: 1956, Victor Gruen created the first shopping mall introducing consumerism to America. In 1963, the Crossroads Mall was developed in the 30th District this, um, spreading the culture in downtown Boulder, the mall closed in 2004 and was promptly replaced with another, the twenty 29th street mall, which by the way, I was so pissed that they did this. Actually, I wrote one of my essays in creative writing, um, in college about the, the closure of crossroads, uh, which remains, um, on the site today. So here's the deal. Um, before crossroads closed, they actually had planned on, um, Renovating it and getting up to modern standards rather than the old, you know, Victor Gruen, um, uh, you know, um, what did they call it? Not neoclassism, uh, Advent card, mm-hmm. um, kind of stuff. And, and if, if you Google Crossroads Mall, Boulder, Colorado, um, and there's actually a term, um, I forget what it's called. It's called like urban discovery or something. It's where people, when a place closes down, they'll actually go in and they'll take pictures, you know, when it's been closed down and stuff. It's really cool. Um, But anyways, uh, yeah, you can see some pictures online um, there of abandoned crossroads or when the crossroads was, when stuff was in there. But the story with that one is first, it was the, was it the, was it the South end of the mall started to do bad? Um, they had a Land's Castle in there, they had a Montgomery Ward, they had a J.C. Penney.
1: Yeah, because you know what, I'm, I'm right on this right now, you're, you're, you're right up my alley. Okay, so I want to tell you one thing first off, it opened up, as I said, 1963, and think about this. Cost $12 million. That's wow. not that much.
0: Well, but by that standard of what time it was built, yes. it was probably closer to what, like maybe 100 million, 200 million? I don't but know. But
1: it was the size, the mall to 820,000 square feet.
0: How many square feet?
1: 800. Let me see. The 10,000 closed and was since, uh, Not Wait, I'm talking about one store. Okay. So the years just before and after 2000 saw increasing competition for a Crossroads mall from new retail developers in Superior, Broomfield, and Westminster. In September 1997, Montgomery Ward closed its store at Crossroads Mall. Aside from a short stint as Gart, Bru- Gart Sports, not Gart Brothers, but Gart Sports, the space would remain vacant until demolition. In October 1997, the vacancy rate at Crossroads was 19%.
0: That's a really high amount. That's the that's that's one fifth.
1: Yeah. In January 1998, Mervyn's closed. Sears took advantage of the opportunity and moved into the large. Anchor space from 1997 to 2002, various crossroads reconstructive ideas were floated and then rejected. Fast track construction of a dealer's store was posed, but vetoed by Foley's in October, 1999 Macarich began. That's the person who bought the mall in, I think it was like, um, in the eighties began a 13 month renovation project by closing the southern half of the mall, like yep. you're talking about and tearing down some interior walls. In July 2000, Mayor put in its renovation plans on hold, stopped the project, and announced that it was looking for a buyer for Crossroads. Wow, so they just
0: were not Flat making money. Flatiron
1: Crossing in Broomfield opened in August 2000. In April wow. 2001, J.C. Penney closed its store at Crossroads Mall in June 2002. The owner of Flatiron's Crossing Mall was acquired by the owner of Crossroads Mall.
0: Wait, can you say that again?
1: The owner... Of Cross a Flatiron Crossing, Bestker was acquired by the owner of Crossroads Mall. Wait, so you're saying
0: so the the parent company of Crossroads Mall actually bought Flatiron's Crossing? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what I was gonna say about that is, uh, do you remember the all the issues with Flatiron's Crossing Mall? Though, yeah, the village village had the issues because the whole mills mall's built on caissons.
1: Yeah. Do you and, remember when we ate in there and what your dad said?
0: Yeah. He saw a crack in the wall and he said, this is a problem. And he was right. They actually, they can't have any buildings in that area because uh, there's been a shift. And um, believe it or not, back in the day, my brother used to work at Godiva Godiva Chocolatier in mm-hmm. uh, Flatirons Crossing Mall in Broomfield. And he actually, believe it or not, and I, I, I wish I could probably uh, see pictures of this, He actually, since he knew the guards and stuff and people in the mall that worked there, they actually took him down into like the coffers of the basement where the caissons are underneath the mall. And you're not sure if you know what the caissons are, but the caissons- I know what
1: caissons are because we built a house on caissons, yeah. So
0: there are these big pillars, basically, that go down into the bedrock to make sure that that mall doesn't shift. Right. And there's a whole basement of those. It's pretty cool. Um, it's obviously restricted because people could put bombs or who knows what, you know, down there. That's
1: crazy. You know, now that it's um, Crossroads Commons, I guess is the name of it. Is actually that
0: it? no Crossroads Commons is actually the east, <laughs>
1: yes, east part is. of
0: Crossroads that's still there. It's a, there's like a strip mall that's still there. They have an aquarium store, I think, that's still there. It's right next to Best Buy,
1: but it's Twenty Ninth Street Mall is what it is, right?
0: Um, well, Crossroads Commons is still independent of twenty twenty ninth okay, street. Okay, but I I'm think. saying
1: there's twenty ninth Street Mall and then that.
0: Yeah. So I mean where twentieth Street currently stands is where Crossroads used to be. There used to not be a twenty right. street. Right, yeah. Well, I mean there was, but but not running that part. Um and Crossroads Commons um used to be there and the bowling alley used to be there, but that's where Best Buy is now.
1: <gasps> you wanna know something, Zach? What? I'm not going to spend time on the computer. I want to be with our audience, but I will tell you I wanted to read about Crossroads Mall and yes. I just discovered they've got old school shirts and you can get a Crossroads Mall Boulder t shirt for 25 bucks. Oh,
0: that's actually not too bad. There's not that much markup. Look,
1: I'll show you. Look.
0: That's the that's a different kind of crossroads. That wasn't the crossroads symbol. The crossroads symbol looked more like Back to the Future. No. Yeah. Yes,
1: I, it said Crossroads Mall opened up Boulder in 1963. It closed in 2004. It was demolished. well,
0: but that's not the that's not the logo of my time for Crossroads. That was
1: probably the original one.
0: It might have been. It might have been. Um, the let me go down under images. I'll show you what it looks like. Uh, Crossroads Mall looked like. Let me see if I can find it. We
1: always have these debates, like, no, I don't think so. Yes, I do. Uh, Look, here's a picture, and it says it right here, but that's not the one. I'm seeing it before me, but honestly, I get what you're saying for your time, because you weren't alive in 63, and I was just a baby. I'm not going to remember this. I think, though, that this was probably um, the original one.
0: Yeah, and it might be. That one looks kind of like more of a pinwheel. The one that I see is it's like it's like lines that roll over one another. Okay. Here it is. Um what it is is like intersection. So here's Crossroads East. So you're talking about Crossroads Commons. Oh, I Commons. remember Crossroads East, yeah. Yeah, it's the the logo for that one is like an E. Do You see that E there on the top of the building on the image that's up? Do You not see it? It's, oh, which one? It's uh it's this one on the left. See it? The E. Oh, yeah, I
1: see yeah. it. Yeah
0: um that marked that but what the crossroads symbol was is it's like three lines three lines three lines three lines in a diamond pattern that overlap on the corners or don't overlap but they kind of intersect so there's Mm -hmm. one side that's longer than the other and i don't for some reason i can't find the actual oh no that's crossroads east again
1: Anyway, it was really sad when Crossroads closed down because it was here for so long so that it was a big part of my life. And it's weird when you're growing up and there's this revolutionary idea that people get so excited about. And that's what is fascinating about life, I guess, in general, is through the time, something that was new and original suddenly becomes old and discarded. And... I think that's a good example is Crossroads Mall because the whole idea was so fantastic. And then we had the, I mean, that place was booming. It was like where you went to shop because Pearl Street, yes, Pearl Street did come into, to, to, um, competition, I guess in its own way, but you know, still you had to walk in the snow and you had to to park your car distance where Crossroads, it was just so convenient go in the mall, you're in there, you can grab something to eat, you can do your shopping. It was also convenient. But, um, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to be a little bit more mindful. It's just kind of a time factor for me, but I really want to support these malls rather than shopping so much online because... Um,
0: oh, I, right there. Sorry. Oh, yeah,
1: I see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember it now. Um, he was just showing me the emblem he's talking about. But I think... Gosh, I I mean, I know there's change. Okay. I maybe I'm trying to be honest with myself. Can I accept change? Well, sometimes I've been forced into change that I didn't want and I'm automatically have to. And I think a lot of you can relate to when there's change that happens and you have no control over it. And we don't have control over a crossroads mall leaving. And I understand all of that, but it is kind of sad to look in your lifetime of things that once were that are no longer. And crossroads mall and i said earlier bowling alleys and drive-ins and those things it's kind of sad it's like an old friend it's like like a whole old friend losing an old friend that you knew for so long Mm -hmm. and it it makes you sad because honestly i can tell you i know i moved to california okay in all fairness but before i even left and since i've been back 29th street mall does not appeal to me if I i wanted to go to a mall um i would go to flat irons crossing um and i will say i would rather go to pearl street mall than to 27th street or 29th street whatever it is called 29th. because i think downtown boulder is really cool and you can see the mountains you're really close to the base of the foothills so i would vote for personally pearl street mall and flat. if I want to go to a mall that used to be where Crossroads is, I don't know, I just am not real interested. It just, I mean, okay, I'm maybe it's just me saying that the architecture isn't that pleasing to me versus downtown. I feel like it's got a cozier, bolder atmosphere, okay? But uh, yeah, to be able to go to an indoor mall is a special thing. And I guess maybe for next Christmas, I may do some shopping at the mall, because I don't go shopping that often, and if I do, it's used clothing, which I have a store I go to, so, but um, yeah, I want to support the mall.
0: You know what? I feel like, I've said this before, like, okay, we all have cell phones, right, which is both good and bad, like we're tied to it for our work and expectations that we're always available, Um, which is almost like we're carrying around a pager for work, but we're not getting paid to be on call. And um, we're also kind of living in ourselves in the sense that we stay at home. We don't go out to shop. We go on our computer to shop. And I think that's really sad because, you know, if you don't support your local malls, that's exactly what's going to happen. Is Eventually one day there's just not going to be any malls. You know what I mean? Um, And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, the reason why Crossroads mall turned into 29th street as an outdoor mall is because they saw Pearl street was fine throughout all these years. Mm -hmm. And they thought, Oh, if we turn this into an outdoor mall, it's going to do a lot better. And they were sort of right, but I think it's stupid because there's no way they can compete with Pearl still. I don't think, I mean, now that maybe now a bit, they can, because there have been so many damn people that have moved here. Did I? I might have mentioned this statistic before 800,000 people in five years.
1: That's why driving on I 25 is very nerve wracking and 36 Highway too, is that even in Boulder, I'm thinking everywhere you go, there's just a lot more traffic but I think the freeways are really kind of scary. Um, and I lived in California for 12 years, and I still, I was, we were talking about it today. When we were coming home, we went to the Museum of Natural History today. We really had a great time. And we we, we were driving home, and I said to Zach, I go, you know, this is so like California with the traffic, and um, truly it is. It's kind of scary uh, because you see people driving in and out Weaving Weaving out of traffic. Driving very fast. Honestly, when I lived in California, I was really thankful that I made it from one destination to another because people drive, I think I've said this, 80 miles an hour. So I see some of that and the crowding. And I don't know. It's just, um, honestly, it's, I think, like you said, that many people moving here, it sure reflects that. I mean, that's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and if you do the math, 160,000 people a year. Okay, let's just put this in a perspective. Let's put that in a month. So, so let's put it in this perspective. If you take 160,000, okay, and then divide that by three, you need 53,000 houses to board up those people, for people to actually be able to live here. 53,000 houses need to be available if, there, if three people were to live in each house. That's an insane amount of houses. So you want to know why it's so hard to find... Rent here, you want to know why it's so expensive to f- rent is so expensive out here? Is there's a huge demand and they can't keep up with the demand of it. And on one hand, I'm grateful to share this really wonderful place like this Boulder, the Flatirons. It's gorgeous. If you're out east enough and you drive into Boulder, mm-hmm. You can see the flat irons, and it's like looking at a surreal painting every single time. It always takes my breath away, even after all the years I have was born here and I've spent all my time here as a native. It still is something that you never get used to, and for people that are, haven't lived here, oh my God. You're gifted with it every single day, and sometimes it's snow-capped. You, there's just, and then the sunsets. It's just so beautiful. But, but the thing is, at the same time, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here and say it kind of pisses me off how many people have moved here and how they're kind of ruining it because we used to not have such dick assholes on the road. And we used to not have so many people, you know, pulling, I hate to say it, this sounds mean because you've spent 12 years out in uh, California, but I can see you more of a Colorado native than a California native, have moved here from California and brought their bad driving habits and bought and brought their all their money so they'll tear down these perfectly good houses, these historical houses, pay a million dollars for a house, tear it down, and then spend another $2 million building a house on top of it.
1: Well, and you talk about, and honestly, I am a California driver now. I was admitting that to Zach on the drive home today, Mm -hmm. and I'm not proud of it but you have to drive aggressively. So these people, it's not like they, it's like they intentionally may be unaware because I'm more aware because I lived in Colorado most of my life. But I realized when I moved to California, you have to drive pretty aggressively because if you don't, you're not going to make it. And so there is some poor driving habits. I'm a good driver, but the poor driving habits I'm talking about that I admitted to Zach today was, not always turning my blinker on. Like Before I moved to California, I always used my my signal and uh, my blinker to change lanes, to turn on a street, whatever. California, man, you don't do that. You're just going in and out. You're like weaving. And the reason why this came up is because there was a guy that was driving crazy on 36. And Zach said, man, look at this guy. He's going to go... It's a red car. He's going to go before that white car. And sure He's enough, tailgating. we could just watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying...
0: Cutting people off.
1: That is... And I hate to say that... And identified as a California driver. It could be from Florida. It could be some other. But anyway, it's that same type of driver that has lived around... In a place where there's a lot of people, which is becoming... Like you're saying, it's that's becoming older, Denver, Colorado... Um, is with all the people moving here, um, we are becoming bigger and larger and people are moving from real big cities to this area and they're just those habits.
0: Yeah. But you know, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. You know, it's amazing how, here's the deal. Is humans part of our human condition, is that we have these expectations that things don't change. We don't want things to change. And we also have this other habit where we're like, oh my God, we love this and we love that. And, you know, if I'm honest, I like Crossroads Mall. I love that mall, okay? But at the same time, at the end, with how decrepit it was and how much it had shrunk and how it was dying, it was not good to see it in that state. you know what I mean? So if I'm honest at the end, I'm not talking about the malls in general. I love the mall. We mm-hmm. just put that out there. But if I'm characterizing it at the end, it wasn't in a good state and well, it, was it was bad. Well, it was depressing
1: to go because you'd go there and lots of the stores were closed. and It was very empty. It It's really depressing when you see something that was so alive mm-hmm. dying. Exactly. And that's exactly what it's like. It's like seeing it die before your eyes. And then... They go in and the demolition takes place, and then new buildings are put up, and that's just life. And I get that, but you know, you're right, Zach. It wasn't like it was like at the end. This really incredible place where you went shopping. I agree.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing to remind remind ourselves is sometimes we have these rose color glasses we put on too. To you know, and of course, when I look at the whole history of the mall, mm-hmm. I love the mall. And it's got a lot of great memories, but look at it about, and I, ignoring the fact about it being at the end, it's like, well, that's, those were actually kind of bad memories, like of, of seeing it so empty and stuff. But. Um,
1: no, I'm glad you looked at that. But do you realize something? You made me think of something. I think that's really important. What's that? And uh, really profound. We're building nostalgia right now. Yeah, we are. Do you realize that we'll be looking back on, say, gosh, those were some of the best times? And.
0: Hopefully. Because it's been bad for a really long time. It
1: has. But, you know, there's always going to be the good too in with the bad. I believe that. Maybe I'm not thinking. um, Maybe I'm too much of an optimist is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. But in general, I always tend to be more optimistic and positive in my thinking. Um, So, but I was just thinking, you know, it's being in the moment that really counts. And nostalgia building. You know what? We remember these things we were talking about. We remember the music. We remember things that were happening during these eras. And they're really cool to talk about. And It's really fun to go back to that. But to be in the present and be thankful for what we have and to realize that today is another day and be mindful of being in the moment um, because we live a much fuller life and realizing that we're building that nostalgia, like this whole thing with podcasts, like We've mentioned before something we've wanted to do for a very long time, and really, went it's time. We both went it's time to do it, and loving it so much that we're going. Eh, we got to do podcast right now. So I think that uh, we could go on and on about nostalgia and everyone. We do, you know, maybe think back to those times. And it's
0: very individualized for everyone, it is. and sometimes some what will say you will have your own version of it or you know exactly what we're talking about and be like, Oh God, that was nostalgic.
1: And it's, it's really cool. And I guess memories, um, that's what's beautiful is memories stay with us and the bad along with the good. But those good memories that we have, no one can take away bad ones too go with it. But Mm -hmm. again, I, I, I really want to try to remain with the good memories and realize that Going th- walking that journey and walking through different things back then made me who I am today. And that our experiences actually impact who we become. Circumstances, events in our life impact who we become. And sometimes, as hard as that can be, which it can be very hard, changed like I've brought up before and Zach's talked about as well, can be hard, but you know, in the end, a lot of times the growth and the journey that you go on is indescribable. You can't really put into words sometimes the major changes that goes on within an individual. And me speaking for myself that I'm still settling in with a lot of changes. Um, Zach had spoken a lot. I think it was our last podcast or the one before about, um, you know, losing his leg to an infection and still we're still settling in with there's, there's grief around that and there's a loss around that. And for people who have experienced this, we'll know exactly because unless you've experienced something and I'm big one on this if I haven't, I don't know. I'm the first one to say, gosh, that sounds hard, but I don't know. So, I think treasure what you have now and yeah, ha, keep those memories alive in the past because that's made you who you are today. But relish the time you have now because we're we're building some amazing memories now, Zach. Um in spite of the past 2 years which have been extremely difficult, which we talked about um in another podcast, to be sitting with you at this table and really doing this podcast with you is Nostalgic to me. Um, And I mean that by this. Being a mother and having my 37-year-old son doing a podcast with me, God, that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, knowing you from day one when you're born and walking with you throughout your life, which you pretty much have done, to see who you've become, to be able to do this together is really not just an honor, but a joy. And um, I'm having so much fun with you. Whatever happens with these podcasts, this is so much fun. And I think it's something that's very therapeutic for both you and I right now. And I hope that those of you that listen will continue to listen. Uh, We try to keep these just sort of like whatever we think we want to do is what we do. And I think that's what keeps it interesting is that We've had a lot of experiences and, um, experiencing things new every day, just like probably a lot of you are and to be able to include you in our lives and, and maybe relate to some of you with things we've been through. I think that there's an unspoken understanding and that's what the connection is that we have with people is just maybe experiencing some of the same things.
0: Yes. And I would just say in general, um, an aspect of life that we can all not avoid or deny is change happens in life we're, the the natural state of the world is change it's like the flow of water you know um, we feel like what we're doing right here is going to last forever but 300 years from now is completely immaterial um, and i'm not just saying that we that what we do in this world is not important but we really have to live for now because you know i think a lot of us you know we all we would love to have build our legacy and be in you know history books or whatever really we have to live in the here and now and be there for one another and not be living you know kind of in it's okay to dream and it's okay to have passions but not to talk you out of doing some amazing things but the reality is you have to make your priorities straight and The reality a lot of times is um, when change happens, we're, as humans, just part of the human condition, we're very disappointed, you know, because, like, for instance, that's where the nostalgia comes in is you've got nostalgia when you grew up, and now it's different. I had nostalgia when I grew up in, you know, the mid, uh, well, I'll say late 80s in the 90s, and then when 2000 rolled around and I saw 9-11, from then on, things were very different for me. And, um, you know, we all have our different coming ages of story coming, uh, coming of age stories. So, you know, um, we all share that in common and we all have our own versions of it. And while, you know, we were not at all perfectly exhaustive in our list of storytelling today, we did share some of it. The reality though is, like my mom said, we don't have the time right now. We're over two hours. And so we're going to have to wrap this up. But, um, the bottom line is it's, uh, you know, We have these memories from our past, and I even think of their early, early 90s when uh, I saw Jurassic Park for the first time. That movie completely floored me, and I also watched uh, Speed around the same time that was with Keanu Reeves, and that's another memory. You know, so I could go on and on and on, and and we all have these, you know, places that we were in time and space when certain things, shared experiences happened, and um, so we have to live for the moment because, unfortunately things don't last forever. We're not here forever. You're not here forever. I'm not here forever. And the other thing that we also need to understand is while we have expectations that, oh, uh, I'm going to grow old with my partner or, you know, I get to see my kids grow up or something, that doesn't always happen for people. And it's really sad. And that's another disappointment factor. And so it's all about learning to live differently past that change, right?
1: Absolutely. And we've had to do that a lot of different times. And really just going with the flow because it is what it is. And I, I think to me, that's the best way that I can sum it up is to just say it is what it is that we don't have that control, which you talked about so many times before, but I, I totally agree. It's like living in the moment and enjoying this time and, and looking around and saying, it's so great to be with this person. And it's so great to, with my children or wherever you are in your life, treasure it because it's, it's you're making memories right now. You're building nostalgia and you'll look back on this and you'll remember. And that's what life is. And life is about connection, which I think is so, so important for our human existence because connection is what we need as human beings to survive in this world. We need a, each other and that's what we're trying to do through, through this podcast is connect with you. Um, cause we do care. Um, we do care about people in general. We care about, we have a passion for what we do in our individual lives. We have a passion for doing this broadcast and or podcast, I guess I should say. And that's built upon connecting with you guys and, getting to know you and, um, a future, a future of maybe talking to you. And, and I know I say that, but it will, if we continue forward and that day will come, hopefully, cannot promise, but hopefully it will. Then we're doing something that we feel is exciting and giving us an opportunity to have a voice and you all have a voice too. And, um, during these ever changing times, To just remember that, uh, you know, each of us are individuals, but we do need that human connection, whatever that is. And you can find that a lot of different places. If you don't have it with your immediate family or you're alone now, there are ways to connect. Or maybe a podcast that we could do in the future, Zach, is really great ways to connect with people.
0: Yeah, and also, um, just as you were hinting at, if you can't connect... With your actual family, actual, you know, your people that you're related to, you can always make family from friends.
1: So true. I mean, when I was in California, I had a lot of family there and we'll be going back to see them and on occasion because it's a part of my life, a part of connection I still want. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's really beautiful because you're going to meet people out there that have experienced similar things. They're wanting to connect and maybe they don't have, as Zeko's saying, family members, or maybe they're all alone for one reason or another, and we're not meant to be alone. And that you will find, really, you run into many people like that who feel alone. And I'm telling you that because I see it every day at the type of work I do, and and they feel very alone, and, and to value yourselves and realize that you are valuable, you are worthy, and you have a reason for being here. I don't know um, how what more I can say about that, but just that, you know, we need to really value others but also value ourselves. And I think the beauty is, is that if we if we are open for connecting with others, like Zach was just talking, gosh, you know, you those people can become our family. And that's kind of what we hope with this podcast. I mean, I know this goes absolutely all over the world and, but maybe there's some um, connections we'll have with you. And, and if we, even if we don't see you, which, you know, that's, we can't possibly see everyone in the world. Um, but you know what? There still is that connection. It's like sometimes I've had conversations and Zach and you know, I've told you probably after I've gotten off the phone, maybe I've been on the phone for something I didn't even, I don't know, the smallest things, like I'm calling this place for something. And then all of a sudden I start talking to someone and I find out that person I connect. It's such a cool experience because if that person wouldn't have brought up something, I wouldn't even know one that we had similar interests or whatever. And that's happened to me quite a bit, actually. Um, I've really enjoyed just conversations I've had with strangers, you know? Yeah. So anyway, we want to thank you again for listening to us. And again, um, with, this is our sixth podcast. where We're new, and we're trying to build our audience. And Zach has built a beautiful, beautiful website at polychromatic.com. And um, Zach can spell that for you because I keep messing it up.
0: It's P O L Y C H R O M A T I Q U E dot com.
1: Check out this website, man. He is a web designer, won best website competition at age 18 in high school in his senior year. And he has made a website for me. Um, called Links Counseling he's done other amazing websites and this one he just is designs it and I don't know where he comes up with it but it's always so unique and so fitting for what he he just has his passion he somehow just pours himself into something and you know Zach it's really an art and I've told you I love this website so please you can see our pictures and our little kitty cat we haven't At a Cobain yet, um, because we haven't decided which picture we want to put up, but he's gonna have his picture. That's my horsey. And um, yeah, just um send emails. You can um check into our podcast and um if you have questions or you want to comment, we we love, would love to hear from you. And so uh please check it out.
0: Yeah, and um I was just gonna mention this is actually really important. If you like the podcast, please take the time to visit Apple Podcasts if you're able to. Um, Rate and subscribe to it. That's going to help us out a lot. We are spending effort to actually transcribe our podcasts. Um, It's kind of a long process. You might hear later about the project I'll be working on to maybe help other people out in this area because, like I said, there are a lot of people that are exploiting. Uh, people on the basis of money to do this, and it sh- I honestly think it should be cheap or, if not free, to do. Um, and um, the other thing I just want to mention real quick: um, some did some make did make some changes to the site. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, and I was just going to say um, it should be loading a little bit faster because um, there's a background process that every five minutes will scan rss.com for the newest episodes and add it to the database versus um every time the person visits, um, where it would actually pull that information, but it would be slower to load because it has to do all that processing. So there is a trade-off. The, the trade-off is it's only going to be updating every five minutes to any time we publish a new one, but that's not that big of a deal. It's only five minutes um, of a delay. Um, but on the plus site, the site loads faster. And there's also a little bit of um jQuery um, that's going on with loading the pages. So the background gradient that moves around doesn't reset every time you click a new link i'll have to decide if we're going to keep it this way or if there's a better solution this does possibly does hurt our, our search engine optimization score a little bit just with the way that is handled um, and from a design perspective um, it is hard to link to individual pages um, because the individual pages when loaded um, don't incorporate the style so i'm gonna have to think of a, a way to um, to get around that. But anyways, visit us out on the web at our website. Um, but more importantly, please, um, get on Apple podcasts and, uh, you know, subscribe to us and rate it that help us out a lot. Um, and then last but not least, just spread the word, spread the word, spread the love, spread the word, um, and share us with others. If you think this is something that other people would like to listen to.
1: We're about peace and love. And, uh, you know what? We want to connect with you.
0: All right. Until next time, be well, and we'll catch you guys later.
1: Take care. Bye now.
0: Bye.